Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and today I've got Brant Daughtry and Cam Berry with me as it's going to be a fun Friday show that we have planned for you today. A lot to do and a lot to discuss today. We'll, of course, discuss the news that broke during the show yesterday, officially an eight-game SEC schedule for the 2024 season. We'll get everyone's thoughts on that throughout the program today. The NCAA baseball tournament has officially begun, including the Auburn Regional. Right now, a 1-1 game between Sanford and Southern Mississippi in the eighth inning. So I'll update you on that. Of course, Auburn gets set for a date with the Penn Quakers at 6 o'clock tonight inside of Plainsman Park. So we'll preview that again. Yesterday on the show, we had Joe Healy of D1 Baseball. We're going to replay that interview a little bit later, either in the 4 o'clock or early 5 o'clock hour. Let you hear that if you missed that. Kind of sets you up for the Auburn Regional tonight and, and what Auburn will be facing. Uh, of course, we'll also have some more news and nuggets from the college football world. If we have time, might recap NBA Finals game one from last night uh, and gets of course all the callers on our Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine ryan brant and cam with you here today start with you brant how are you feeling today i'm feeling pretty good uh having a good day so far excited to watch some auburn baseball tonight i think that's going to be a a really interesting game i think that it's a game that auburn should win and ideally would uh win comfortably but uh obviously you've got to go out there and do it first but uh like you said uh or, or like we've been talking about off the air a little bit ryan uh, Auburn has already played Samford. You'd love for them to beat Southern Miss because Auburn's already beaten Samford by 10 this year. They run-ruled them when they played earlier uh, in the season. So you'd love for that to be the next game you play, assuming you can take down Penn, which I think we all expect Auburn to do later tonight. Um, uh, the big news yesterday, uh, SEC going to stick with an eight-game schedule for at least a year, which is odd to me. Um, I, 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 I've i kind of been wishy-washy. I'm going to go ahead and plant my flag and say, if you're mo- if you're bringing in two new teams, I want I want to go to the nine game schedule. I haven't really planted a flag, but I think I would rather have the nine game schedule. Um, so that that's where I'm going to take my stance on that one. But uh, for at least one year of Texas and Oklahoma being in the SEC, uh, it's going to be an eight game eight game conference slate. So we'll see how that goes, and uh, hopefully you know it, it will go to nine eventually, especially if longstanding rivalries are threatened. But uh, we'll get we'll get more into that as the show goes on, but yeah, it's it's Friday. I'm happy to be here. Happy it's Friday, and uh, looking forward to the show. Cam Berry also here this afternoon, only for about an hour and a half with us, as he'll be going to that Auburn regional, that Auburn game this evening. Cam, how are you doing? Doing great. Hey, you thought I wasn't going to be on here, so I'm yeah. I'm glad to be here. Got an hour and a half more yeah, than we man. thought we would. So Absolutely, that's good. Uh, doing great. Uh, enjoyed watching some NBA Finals last night. Denver got it done in Game One. 
Uh, it just, I mean, I just, I love watching Joker play, man. And Jamal Murray had a great game himself. Um, Bam Adebayo also had a great game for the Heat. He really, he really showed up. He, he, uh, he was really probably the only one that did. Um, but a, a solid game overall. Um, it still seems like Miami's going to be a, a pesky team to get rid of. Um, Denver did handle business, but Miami did try and push back, and they did get it to single digits a couple times um, when they um, within like the fourth quarter, and, and they were they were really pushing. So it'll be a more interesting series for sure. I bet once it goes down to Miami, maybe some of that altitude won't be bothersome. So um, once that once they get out of Denver. Um, and then, yeah, excited to be at the game tonight. Um, we'll be kind of doing some video work as well as uh, just kind of enjoying it as well, uh, enjoying the, the regional environment as, a, as Auburn is hosting. So uh, I'm, I'm very excited to be, uh, to be out there. And, um, yeah, just, just glad to be here, glad to be on the show on Friday. Absolutely. A couple other items we'll have for you later on in the show. We'll have Sports Call's Player of the Week a little bit later. We'll also plan on having a What to Watch for over the weekend uh, in the final hour of the show. And, of course, a nightly TV guide uh, at the end and birthdays and sports coming up in a little bit as always. But let's lead off today uh, with the news that broke again during the show yesterday. Brooks and I were able to give some initial thoughts. So, again, uh, for everyone that's either not heard or, or is a little vague on the details. An eight-game SEC schedule is confirmed by the league for 2024. There will not be divisions, so this will be the last year of an East and West division. No decision yet made for a long-term model for 2025 and beyond, as the league clearly wants to see how the playoff committee is going to act in 2024, which, of course, will be the first year of the 12-game playoff. And so uh, Texas-Oklahoma will be a part of an eight-game schedule for the first year. I would think that spring meetings in 2025, after that 2024 year, will be how uh, things will uh, progress in terms of a long-term plan uh, because they'll have they'll want to see that 2024 year first. So, right. guys, uh, we talked a lot about it as as said yesterday. We did uh, there was one show where we did uh, pretty much everyone's schedule. Tried to think of if it was a nine-game schedule and three constant opponents, what that would look like. We looked uh, we looked all throughout the spring at what. Uh, the momentum was towards, which back a couple months ago was towards the nine-game schedule, and then the second uh, spring meetings got on the horizon. Uh, momentum went back towards eight, eventually temporarily here, one year of eight games. So, Cam, starting with you, yeah. uh, you, you heard Brant plant his flag. He was a nine-game guy. I'm a nine-game guy. Where do you stand, and what do you think of this decision to do it for just one year uh, as a temporarily eight game schedule so my thought process on this about an eight game schedule i think it is an accl uh, an acclimatory schedule just for texas and oklahoma once they get into the so that they get into into the sec um let them play out their schedule uh figure it all out and then i mean we, we know that they're that the goal is to get to a nine game schedule so it's not like it you know this is going to stay this eight game is gonna is gonna be something that's gonna stay i think they'll get into a nine game schedule in 2025 honestly um i think it's just something to let these two new schools get acclimated obviously you know it is still texas and oklahoma so you know they're still really strong schools but 
they haven't played an SEC schedule, and that is a whole different beast in itself, um, if we're being honest. So maybe that's my thought process on it, just to let them maybe just get comfortable in the SEC, uh, figure things out, whether it be travel stuff, all of that, whatever. Um, and then moving forward, the nine-game schedule is obviously the the end game here. Uh, I would I would like the nine-game schedule because I want to, you know, I think the biggest thing here is maintaining the rivalries. I think the, the primary and the secondary ones are the most important. Um, and then I don't mind getting rid of the divisions. I think that's a good move, honestly, um, and, and just t- uh, crowning the, the top two and having them play. Uh, I think it'll make for more interesting matchups, and, and especially I think it'll make for a more fun um, a more fun SEC championship as well. Uh, maybe it'll put more weight on that SEC championship, uh, on these championship games. Maybe. We'll see. Um, but I, I'm with the nine-game schedule eventually. Uh, I just think the eight game is only temporary just to just to let Oklahoma and Texas get used to being in the SEC. I think it was clear as we went through the week that the momentum continued to go towards the eight games and that Greg Sankey was uh, going to, again, honor the wishes of these athletic directors, but Sankey's stance seems to be pretty clear that he thinks yeah. it needs to go to nine games. The yeah. public perception outside the league, of course, is here's the SEC you know, dodging a 10th uh, Power 5 opponent, but uh, I think it was Josh Pate last night who made a pretty good point. Say you've got three games remaining on your schedule and you're a one-loss team. Uh, is it better to have uh, UT, Martin... Uh, some other role of school in Georgia, or is it better that. to have like uh, you know I think you use like Arizona and, yeah. and Boston College or something or yeah. Syracuse and, and th- basically three low tier power, power five, five schools and right. the answer is well if one loss might screw you over well that one loss is very likely to happen to Georgia right uh, and so you're gonna get ten and two uh, with a, 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 a loss to a great team as opposed to okay you know 11 and 1 beating on, on these lesser teams your pathway to going 11 and 1 is clearly better with the 3 6 and 6 caliber power 5 teams than it is all right two very easy games but one very very difficult game right. uh so that is part of the pushback uh brant obviously we heard the SEC kind of confirm that they still are going to make teams play in 2024 one additional power 5 opponent outside of the 8 however brooks and i were looking at yesterday I think only one team does not have that. I, I want to say it was either Van, it might have been Vanderbilt or it might have been uh, it might have been Oklahoma actually, uh, because they uh, only have two non-con games scheduled for that year because they were prepared to play I guess nine Big Twelve games in in the past because these deals are consummated four or five years in advance. So back then they're still very much Big Twelve oriented. Had the nine game schedule, we're still waiting on one. So I think it's only Oklahoma actually uh, that that has yet to get a Power Five non conference opponent. So what do you say to uh, any of those that are maybe not not thinking that this strength of schedule is still going to be very difficult? You know, I, I've always been a fan of the the other Power Five schools. I love when Auburn goes and plays a, a Big Twelve or a Pac Twelve or, yeah, or whatever. For sure. Um, I, I wish it was more home and homes and less neutral sites over the past couple of years. But I understand why you you've gone to Atlanta and played Oregon and Washington and and, and those games. But I really love those games and I don't want to see them go. But like you said, Rob Pate or Josh Pate, excuse me, um, uh, coming up with that tweet of Georgia by itself is better than three lower tier power five schools. Uh, and 
all these schools getting mad about SEC schools playing, I don't know, UT Martin uh, before uh, Auburn's got right. bye games versus Samford before they play Alabama. Acting like every team um, doesn't play tune-up games. Well, it, not just that, but also the someone brought up the Big Ten this year. You've got Ohio State, you've got Michigan, Michigan State maybe, but I mean, like Indiana's a member of that conference. Indiana's going to be terrible because right. they're always terrible. Exactly. Indiana is the equivalent of a of a paycheck game for any Power Five school that it has. It's possible they'd lose to several Group of Five schools. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I, I yeah, would right. expect them to lose to like a UCF or, or something like that or a, a, um, a Coastal Carolina, one of these big time Group of Five yeah. schools, Cincinnati. Uh, since they just made the playoff. So, yeah, there aren't that many weak spots in the SEC, especially in the SEC West. Yes, some teams are better than others. There are clear haves and have-nots, and Vanderbilt is always bad. But other than that, there's no team that is just a cakewalk. You're not going to walk in and beat Kentucky by 50 every week. You know, that's not a given. So, I, I fully expect Ohio State and Michigan to walk through the Big Ten until they play each other. Uh, you can't really say that about anybody in the SEC. Yes, I expect Georgia to be Georgia and Alabama to right. be at the top most of the time, but there are teams. But every other team can really cannibalize each other. So I, I don't really think it hurts your strength of schedule playing, like Cam said, these tune-up games. So I, I, I don't. I understand the criticism, but I also disagree with it. Well, and, and I look at it too as yes, record-wise, there will be it will be pretty comparable at the end of the day. Your tenth and the and the Big Ten might be the same record as your 10th in the SEC. But let's look at some of these programs, not only history, but how they, how much they care about a particular sport. Uh, when you're talking, of course, this will all slide down a couple spots, and Oklahoma and Texas will make it even that much greater. But but currently under the 14-team system, obviously Vandy's 14, and then, I, I don't know, Missouri, uh, Kentucky, somewhere historically would be at the bottom, Missouri's got some history, but just in terms of caring, how much they care, Missouri and Kentucky might be the next two. Then you get into Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, et cetera, in that 11-10 range. Well, to me, when I'm thinking about how much these schools care, a team like Ole Miss, who even though they've had almost no success, they've always cared. They, oh, yeah. they, 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 they want to be good. They've just not figured out how in the state of Mississippi – uh, same thing for a, a school like Arkansas. Do you, Jerry Jones is hounding Ar- I mean, as an Arkansas booster, and that I mean, he's hounding them to to have success year in year out. Um, so the care is there. Whereas if you go into the Big Ten, obviously you have a a couple of schools down there that you know Indiana is still a basketball school and. Purdue has largely been a basketball school. They, you can't tell me at face value, Purdue cares more about football than Arkansas or Ole Miss does. Even yeah. Mississippi State, you can't. Now you can tell me that they have similar records some years, but but that doesn't equate to interest and uh, and, and still potential. Like I don't think Purdue has the potential to go reel off some ten and twos, but I believe Arkansas does have that potential. They might not be constantly what Georgia, Alabama right, have been right. or, or have the highest of highs like LSU, but like Arkansas can have a three to four year span where they win nine, ten games. I do believe that is possible. Um and, and so these what what really separates them is halfway through the Big Ten and below, 
does not have that extra level. Again, they care. I'm not. There's still you can still really care and kind of no. care. I mean, I'm but, not saying yeah, they don't yeah. care. But the constant push to compete is different. Right. In the SEC exactly. That's a good way of putting concept. it. Yeah. And, and so, again, the moral of the story is this league. This is why it's been the premier league, and the Big Ten has been second clearly. But the SEC is 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 something all to itself. You add Oklahoma and Texas, that will further that. Now, all that said. I'm simply just offering a a reason why the SEC is not needing to go to nine from a strength scan, uh, standpoint, from a scheduling standpoint. Now, however, I'm still very much a nine-game sure. person, and I've talked a lot about the rivalries of it um, and that being kind of the, the lead thing there. Um, the schedule will get released for 2024 in two weeks. It'll be SEC Network. I love that. Um, it's going to be soon. I, I, I like that a lot. I like that they're going ahead and knocking that out. Um, are you nervous that – So it doesn't have to be Auburn, but are you nervous that someone's just going to get absolutely just <laughs> a bear of a schedule? Yeah. I mean, somebody's going – somebody probably has to. I I wouldn't be surprised if it were Auburn, if I'm being honest. But um, I – I hope that you know that Auburn. I hope that they maintain um, you know the the rivalries as best as possible. Um, obviously, I, I think we all know that Auburn's playing Alabama every year, no matter what. Yes, that's never changing. It's uh, it's the Georgia matchup. Some some people are kind of torn. They're like, we don't want to play Georgia every year. I want to play Georgia every year. I want to play Georgia every year because. That right now, Georgia is the standard, right? If we're being one hundred percent honest, Georgia, Georgia and Alabama is uh, they are the standard for how you want to build a program and maintain a program. That level of competition is going to continue to push your program. If you're Auburn and, and you're a rival, uh, like like we see Georgia as, you want to be able to compete with that. You want to be able to beat that. You want to be able to say this year confidently, I feel confident that we can play Georgia. And we have a chance to beat them. So I, I, I think that, that that constant push, that constant um, of, of playing them every year, even, you know, even if they are beating us at, you know, 38 to 10 like they did a couple years ago and just beating the brakes off. But the constant competition, and I, I, you know, just talking from a coaching staff, I believe that Hugh Freeze would want to maintain that as well. Um, because this is, I mean, that's what you're going up against. You want to be able to go up against the best of the best in the SEC. Those are our two rivals. They also happen to be the best of the best. So keep it going. I, I think that's just kind of my my standpoint. Somebody's going to get a tough schedule. Again, it doesn't surprise me if it would be Auburn. I, I just think that, um, that that's ju- just something that's important to maintain. I, yeah, I, I think it's, well, go I'm ahead. sorry. Go ahead. Um, I, I think it's important to note that they can really do whatever the hell they want with they the 24 schedule. Definitely. And so that's yeah. why it is so entertaining to me because it's not guaranteed that you have a second year of eight games. You might go 24, have the eight game model, and then 25, you start the nine the constant nine. Yeah. So 24 could be just its own thing with no 
you know, no bounce back. So you don't ever play the other half of teams you didn't play. Therefore, when you heard Greg Sankey play, uh, say yesterday that they're going to focus on the rivalries, I fully anticipate Auburn will be playing Georgia and, and obviously Alabama, but they can really kind of load up the rivalries they want to load up and right, really right. keep as many as they want to. Yeah, like playing because LSU. They, you don't have the second year. You know, right. it's it's like you you can go down the list now. They say they want balance too, so it might not you know for a team that has four or five legitimate teams that. They, they face, hate or, right, or, or could just, argue right. rivals. They may not be able to load up on all of them, but they can certainly get the top couple. Like for uh, the Texas, yeah, they'll play Oklahoma, but I'm gonna, I'm willing to bet they're gonna play A and M, and go A&M. ahead and, and rekindle Definitely. that. Um, you know, I and I've heard other recent things of interest to me. You know, uh, LSU's AD, who's now slipping my mind. Uh, not, oh man, not your check. That's Arkansas's AD. I'm not thinking of LSU's AD off the top of my head. But he was talking about um, he views Texas A&M as the constant rival for LSU in the future, yeah. which is interesting. They, they, they've played in the last week of the Scott season Woodward. since they've got – Scott Woodward. Yes, I think. Yes. LSU. Um, since, he, since A&M joined the conference. So yeah. that's something where that's interesting that they view uh, that that way. Or, or no, maybe it was Ross York of Texas A&M. Maybe, okay. that, maybe that's what it was. Uh, I've got that flipped where he viewed LSU as the constant rival for them. Um, but that was something that obviously didn't exist 15 years ago out of conference, and now they've been the crossover. They've built that into a game that's always always something each year and has been a, a rival the last 10 years. So that might be something that still happens that would be in jeopardy otherwise if it was the uh, constant, just uh, one constant opponent for, for eight games. Also uh, for, from LSU, Brian Kelly was talking about, you know, they're one of the teams that did vote for the nine games. I think it was about six teams that voted for nine. Right. And LSU was one of them. Brian Kelly flat out said, yeah, I came to this conference to play these people. For sure. And I, again, I love that mentality because, too. you know, some people each year we joke about how Notre Dame's schedule ends up being a little barren. You know, they, they have a couple big programs on it, but if USC and Michigan State are struggling, right. those those teams they play every year, then it can get a little light. Bad. Yeah. And, and he's flat out just like, yeah, I, I came here to play Alabama. I came here to play the Georgias and Texas A&M's of the world. You know, I came here to play all these teams. So uh, I, I love that mentality, and I think that's the mentality we're kind of sharing here with the Auburn-Georgia stuff where, yeah, it's like I, Georgia is clearly at the height of their power right now. They're right. The, the top of college football right now. But not shying away from that, If even if Auburn loses 10 straight no, years. I wouldn't want it I want to play the 11th way. Yes. Yeah, I want to go get them the 11th year. Absolutely. So that's that's part of having great rivalries is, yeah, yeah some, t- some teams are going to have – runs of dominance but the other team doesn't run and cower and i certainly uh would not want auburn to lose that rivalry georgia and again that's why i'm still sticking by nine teams whether it starts at 2025 or not we're gonna take our first time out of the show we're gonna go to the auburn bank phone line when we come back you're listening to the friday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Canberry, Brant Daughtry with you here this afternoon. Let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. First up on the show today. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. I know earlier y'all were talking about like the nine game schedule for next year for 2024. Yeah, the uh, the SEC schedule for 2024. It's going to be eight games temporarily, and then it might go up to nine after that. Okay, so um, well, with the eight game schedule that I'm seeing in 2024, I mean, with Auburn playing Alabama, like Auburn and Georgia, I mean, we play them every year. But I mean, if they want to change those two. Uh, same rivalries if they want to change Auburn and Georgia. I'll probably say uh, to make a, a slight change to the eight-game schedule for 2024, I'll probably say Auburn and Georgia Tech just like for a homecoming uh, rivalry game as well. Yeah, so I think a lot of people wouldn't mind playing Georgia Tech in more sports if you're Auburn, but uh, since this just pertains to the SEC schedule, it's gonna be we're talking about eight SEC games. They'll still have four non-conference games, of which they've already got uh, at least a couple of them scheduled. I know they've got Cal coming here in 2024, but yeah, when we're referring to the eight and nine game schedule, we're just talking just SEC opponents. Oh, okay. Um... Well, I'll probably say for the eight-game schedule for the SEC opponents alone, I'll probably say, like, Auburn versus uh, Vanderbilt, you know, just to see that that matchup played at home, like, at the first top at the first top of the schedule, like, probably, like, September, uh, like, September 1st or September the 3rd, just to get those uh, dates for 2024 as well probably I'll, I'll i'll probably kick it off with like september 1st on labor day weekend and that way that will be a really good labor day uh weekend uh event right there you know just to open up the 2024 college football season just to start it off yeah i think the, the dates that weekend you know they got august 31st uh 31st is that that saturday and then september 1st is sunday so they always play some games on on different days, but yeah, we'll we'll just see who uh, who Auburn ends up getting, and again, that'll be announced here in about two weeks. Yeah, so I'll just have to wait until like the schedule comes out. I probably see like in two weeks when they show it on the SEC uh, network, and I'll just probably see what what games I'll actually be attending in person next year, and uh, seeing if those games are going to be like really good games. I'm going to be looking at. And then we we play uh, the University of California this year, and then next year I think uh, Cal will be coming to Auburn. So I think that will be a really good uh, that will be a really good thing for uh, the Cal fans to actually come to uh, Jordan Harris Stadium as well, just to see you know the sights, the sounds of of how we actually uh, kick off Auburn Auburn Saturdays as well. And you know, James, we, we didn't forget about the conversation we had earlier this week. 2024 might be your last year as an Auburn fan. Well, um, that I might as well stay an Auburn fan, but I'm not going to give out. I'm not going to. I'm not going to give up right now. So I'm going to just stay with Auburn as well and uh, see where where um, you know what where I'll actually stand behind the Auburn uh, nation as well because I know a lot of um, 
you know, I know a lot of other Auburn fans, they don't want me to, like, you know, leave, you know, because I'm actually, like, a good – I'm, like, a good luck charm to Auburn. So I'm just I'm, – I'm just going to actually stay for – for the remaining of the whole season as well. Okay, awesome. I okay, that's uh, that's great to hear. Yeah, because I'm actually looking forward to this year's uh, football games and seeing our brand new quarterback that we just got and seeing what he's going to step up into, what he's going to actually bring to the uh, 2023 uh, Hugh Freeze era. So I'm I'm hoping that he'll bring us a lot of uh, national championships. So. I'm just going to see where he's going to actually stand as well. We shall see. How did you like Game 1 of the NBA Finals last night? Uh, The Game 1 NBA Finals was amazing. It was so amazing. I saw, uh, you know, I I saw some great uh, defense. I I mean, offense. I saw some great offense from uh, Jokic, and he's really done, um, you know, the Joker has really done a lot lately. He's He's actually broke uh, historic records in NBA Finals history for the first time. Actually, he actually uh, broke Jason Kidd's um, all-time double uh, double double single record in uh, NBA Finals history as well. So I'm 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 a I'm a little upset because I know you know with uh, Jason Kidd, he was one of my favorite players uh, looking. When he when he played with my Dallas Mavericks with uh, Dirk Nowitzki, so I'm a little upset on that one as well. Yeah, well, it was just kind of equaling that performance. It was uh, Jokic's performance was the first triple double in his first Finals game since Jason Kidd did that. Basically, they're just saying like uh, guys to have a triple double in their first ever Finals game, and, and the last person to do that was Jason Kidd. So it's not really a record that was broken. It's just something cool that Jokic achieved that not many have achieved but Jason Kidd was one of them yeah because um when they actually did show that at the bottom of the uh of the screen while the game was still going on my heart just dropped to my stomach because I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan and once I saw that I, I just like you know that was like that really hurt me to my to my heart you know because Jason Kidd was one of my favorite basketball players uh, idolizing as a Dallas Mavericks fan as well, and and once I saw that, I just I I wanted to change the channel, but I said no, I'm not going to do it because I knew the game was still going on, and I didn't want Miami to come back, you know, to win uh, the first game, so I just had to, you know, stick it, you know, like actually keep it on that channel as well to see um, to see Denver win it out. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I think you said you thought uh, the Nuggets would win the series. Is that also who you're rooting for in the series? Yes, I am. I'm actually taking the Denver Nuggets to a game seven, so I'm just going to see how they do on Sunday, and if they do pretty good, then I'll just probably see how game three, four, and five would actually do for the next uh, few seasons, I mean, for the next few games in their schedule, and then if they take it to game six or seven, then I'll just, um, I'll probably be happy to see the Denver Nuggets actually winning an NBA Finals as well. Is there anything else on your mind today? Um, well, I'm actually going to be watching my Dallas Wings tonight, and uh, we're actually playing on the road. We're playing, uh, I think we're playing the Washington Mystics. Yeah, uh, if I'm saying that correctly. Uh, yes, the they are playing the Washington Mystics, yes. Yeah, so that will be a really good uh, 
uh, game that I'm going to be watching and uh, seeing if if the Dallas Wings would beat the Mystics. I I mean I don't know when the last time we actually played Washington. So um, I I think this is going to be our year to take it to Washington and um, and actually winning it as well. Yeah, it looks like Dallas is off to a three and one start this year. Yeah, so I'm actually looking at their schedule. I'm actually looking at a really good schedule that's coming in and um, probably seeing them actually making it to the WNBA uh, finals as well. So I don't know if if they actually make it to the finals. I would love to see Dallas and the Las Vegas Aces actually playing, uh, meeting up in the NBA and in the WNBA finals as well. Yeah, we'll just have to see. Just a long way to go to get there. Yes, as well. And then I'm actually going to be doing my um, NFL fantasy football draft and uh, getting ready for the uh, football season. That's going to be coming up real soon, and it's 100 days away uh, to the NFL football uh, draft. So the NFL football fantasy uh, season starts in uh, 100 days as well. So I'm actually counting down to week one as well. Who do you think is going to be your first overall pick? Um, I'm actually looking at like Dak Prescott would be the starter, and then I'm looking at C.J. Stroud from uh, Chicago. So I'm uh, if I said uh, that team right, if he if he plays for Chicago as well, I believe he was uh, drafted by Houston. Okay, so I'll, I'll probably pick like C.J. Stroud and uh, Dak Prescott. So um, I'm going to just probably pick those two off the off the uh, first round. And then uh, second round, I'll probably pick like a good kicker. I'm going to pick uh, Green Bay Packers kicker, Anderson Carlson. So I'm going to just probably put him at a kicker and um, probably get his brother, Daniel Carlson, if he's still in the league as well. Daniel's definitely still in the, the league. He's the kicker of the, the Las Vegas Raiders. But uh, two kickers on the roster would be, would be interesting. But uh, – uh, you're allowed to, to obviously manage the roster how you please. Any final thoughts for us today? Well, um, the only final thoughts I actually have is I know that Auburn is playing against Penn University, so I think this game, I'm going to listen to it, and I'm hoping that Auburn will win, and the final score will be for this game will be Auburn 13, Penn University 7. Wow, high-scoring game. Auburn did score a lot of runs last year in the Auburn Regional. Hopefully they do that again this year. All right, sounds good, and War Eagle, and I'll talk to y'all guys on Monday. Sounds good. Have a great weekend, James War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. One final timeout here in hour number one. We'll wrap up the hour right after this. For another way to listen to our show, be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Boy, Brandon Daughtry, Cam Barry with you here this afternoon. Appreciate James from Montgomery joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. About to do birthdays in sports. Before we do, update from Plainsman Park. Sanford's Bulldogs, three in the top of the 10th. They lead 4-1, to one, going to the bottom half of the 10th inning. Uh, their starting pitcher threw 120-some pitches, Oy. not only allowing one run to Southern Miss, and then uh, Southern Miss gives up three there top of the top of the inning. I, I would not assume that that Sanford kid will go back out there uh, for another inning, so they will need somebody to help him out of, out of the bullpen. But that would be uh, a pretty large upset. Again, this is baseball. This is a sport which can be – uh, more random outcome based than I feel basketball and certainly football, uh, and Sanford having a, you know being a twenty plus loss team that was projected to be a four seed. I, I've harped on it, but I, I felt it was one of the weakest three seeds in the field, and certainly someone that that uh, saw Auburn beat them by ten runs earlier this year in their one matchup. Again, felt like it was a lowly three seed, but that's not what Southern Miss is thinking right now. Uh, as uh, Southern Miss tries to fight back in the bottom of the 10th. We'll keep you update, updated when that uh, game goes final, of course, and no jeopardy whatsoever of endangering the start time tonight. Uh, that game's moved quickly, as a matter of fact. I mean, it was 1-1, but uh, they've been playing for only two hours, 47 minutes, and yeah. they're in the, they're in the oh, 10th inning. That Hall guy was was actually Southern Miss's pitcher. Oh, it was so weird that they, okay. Yeah, it was weird that they were talking about it like that After in that context. The ninth yeah, inning. yeah, but it was, okay. yeah, to, uh, Hall, I'm I'm seeing it right now. 123 pitch pitch count, nine innings, eight hits. So the minute they moved him, nine they, strikeouts. The minute they went to the bullpen, they immediately gave up three runs. So. Yeah. So I mean, even if somehow the Southern Miss does does come out of this, they've they've absolutely burned their ace. So yeah, yeah. I mean, he he'll be done for the weekend for sure. Uh, they're they're trying to scrap back right now in the bottom of the tent. Before we run out of time here for hour number one, though, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. The Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Mike Stanton turns 56. Stanton was a three-time World Series champion and all-star in 2001. He played for eight different teams during his career, played from 1989 to 2007, pitched in over 1,100 games throughout his career with a 68-63 record and over 800 strikeouts. Stanton graduated from Midland High School in Midland, Texas, where he played baseball, basketball, and football. However, he did not pitch at all in high school. His first pitching appearance came at Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. And then Mike Stanton went on to be a lefty reliever for a long time in Major League Baseball. He turns 56 today. Earl Boykins turns 47, former American basketball player, a professional basketball player, standing at five foot five. Uh, one of the smallest players, yeah. second shortest player in NBA history behind Muggsy Bogues. Boykins played from 1998 to 2012, played college at Eastern Michigan, where his number 11 is retired. Boykins bounced around the league with his best season coming in Denver, averaging 15 points a game. Had over 5,000 career points and 2,000 career assists. Boykins uh, played high school basketball at Cleveland Central Catholic High School, where he averaged 25 a game and led the school to a 23-2 record. He is now an assistant at UTEP. Earl Boykins turns 47. Kenny Atkinson turns 56. He's the former head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, now the uh, assistant head coach with the Golden State Warriors. 
went 118 and 190 as a head coach in Brooklyn. Atkinson was born in Huntington, New York, and played college basketball for the University of Richmond, leading the Spiners to a Sweet 16 berth in the NCAA Division I men's basketball tournament in 1988. Kenny Atkinson turns 56 today. And Kurt Abbott turns 54. Former baseball player, played as a shortstop and second baseman from 1993 to 2001 from Zanesville, Ohio. Abbott was a World Series champion in 1997, played for five different teams over his career, ended his career with a 256 average, 62 homers, and 242 RBIs, which is basically a season for Aaron Judge. His best season was in 1995 with the Marlins, where he hit 17 homers and 60 RBIs. Kurt Abbott turns 54 today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Uh, update on the uh, Sanford Southern Miss game. Bases loaded for Southern Miss. Southern Miss, a hit by pitch, scores a run, no out. Sanford leads four to two. The cheese has become binding. Yeah, and uh, Sanford <laughs> is in way, danger. This is ideal for Auburn if they can get past this Penn game, though. Yeah, well, I mean, you you want it to be. It could be ideal in two ways, which is not going to happen because I bet Southern Miss is now going to come come get this thing done. You would want either Stanford to win or if Southern Miss is going to win, you want it to take a lot of extra innings since they only had to throw that one pitcher for right. nine and only right. had to go one inning a bullpen. You'd want them to have to go four or five. And, again, all this is just trying to improve chances. They could go 17 innings. You think <laughs> everyone's tired, and then the starter comes out tomorrow and shoves for eight innings. Oh, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? You just, right. you just never know. But you're just trying to play some percentages here. And uh, the longer that game goes, or, of course, rooting for the team that's perceived to be a lesser team is usually the way to root for. 4-2, now one out. Uh, So that one is a close one. Again, uh, about two minutes left here in the hour. Update you on some other college baseball items from around uh, day one of regional play. Uh, Arkansas was struggling with Santa Clara. They now lead 5-3 in the fifth. LSU having no problems with Tulane. That's 6-0 in the seventh. Kentucky struggled for a while with Ball State. They eventually scored late to win 4-0 in the first one of that Lexington Regional. Uh, Of note to Auburn fans, Lipscomb was giving Clemson a game in the Clemson Regional. Clemson Clemson actually trailed 4-3 going to the bottom of the fifth, and then they broke that thing open. Good old Grand Uh, Salami. Ultimately winning 12-5. Uh, Campbell, who, of course, may, tried to make an argument for hosting a regional. They lost today to NC State 5-1. Uh, the Terre Haute Regional, number 14, Indiana State, struggled but got past Wright State 6-5. And then uh, former sports call host J.J. Jackson will be happy to know that Duke had no problem uh, with UNC Wilmington. They won 12-3 in that one. And a lot of baseball games being played right now throughout the night. Um, still got really over half of them to play. Uh, so not anything too shocking yet. Again, a couple twos losing to a three. Campbell was a two uh, losing there to NC State. but uh, And, of course, a two in danger of losing here with, with Southern Miss. Uh, so I, I think now there are two outs. And actually, no, it just went final. Sanford got out of that thing. Yeah, they did. According mm. to Brian Matthews. So Sanford has defeated oh, Southern man. Mississippi 4-2. to two. Uh, and that is a big coup right there big. for if you're an Auburn fan. Uh, again, again, we get what Sanford can apparently do here, uh, as they did take down a top 25 team. But Auburn has already seen this Sanford team and beat them 12-2 earlier this year. So Auburn's going to have a really good opportunity to make a regional final automatically just with these, these two nights playing Penn and Sanford. But 
Again, it's baseball. I hate to be a broken record. If this was football, I would tell you congrats on Auburn making the regional final right? because uh, they would slam through these teams. But uh, in the batted ball sports, you yeah. just never know. So that is how hour number one will close. On the other side of this break, more news and notes from college football, including more Pac-12 travails also coming up, player of the week. And a little bit later, we'll replay that interview with Joe Healy of D1 Baseball previewing the Auburn Regional. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome to hour number two of Sports Call here on this Friday afternoon. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Cam Barry with you here. Again, uh, following along the Auburn Regional, as we went off air in hour number one, Sanford did defeat Southern Mississippi 4-2. to two, A real stunner right there, uh, which could greatly enhance Auburn's chances of at bare minimum going to the regional final. They now do not have to play uh, really a top 30, 40 RPI team until they, they – in theory, might play Southern Miss later, but Southern Miss will now have to play, win twice just to get to yeah. the regional final. So Auburn got to take care of its business, but it just got helped out. We're going to replay in a little while uh, Joe Healy's interview of D1 Baseball from yesterday. Uh, he was mentioning Sanford. He, he at first called them Troy a few times and then realized he had had them confused, but said was making points about Sanford as, as being uh, undervalued by people like me, which, I mean, clearly is looking to be the case. Uh, and so you, we'll uh, replay that here a little bit later. Wanted to start off hour number two with something that we started to talk about yesterday. It was literally words were coming out of my mouth, and then the SEC announcement came about the eight-team schedule, and obviously that needed to take precedence. Um, it's more realignment talk, and it's more about the travails of the Pac-12. And we've talked every angle of this thing. We've talked unhappiness from schools having to pay back money. We've talked how the Pac-12 has been talking to just unbelievable 
uh, companies and stuff trying to get a TV deal. I mean, CW's been rumored online or streaming only has been rumored. They were trying to talk to ESPN again, but ESPN's just like, your product's not valuable. We've yeah. already spent our money. Uh, you know, it's just, it's been a, a whirlwind for them. And to make matters worse, even their own bowl tie-ins not particularly thrilled. If you'll recall, in 2021, uh, they had an issue where UCLA had to back out of a bowl game last second because of COVID, which just sucks for absolutely everyone involved. Well, a couple days ago, longtime Pac-12 bowl partner Holiday Bowl suing the Pac-12 and UCLA for more than $3 million in damages after UCLA refused to play hours before kick versus NC State. And the Holiday Bowl has been the third longest bowl tie-in for the Pac-12. I assume one of those would be the Rose Bowl. I don't know what the what the other one would be. So we're already in a situation where these schools are trying to get back money. Now the Pac-12 is getting fined. I mean, sued. I don't, I, not fined, but they're getting sued. And who they might be on the hook for that. I don't know the legality to everything, but uh, you don't deliver something that's promised. It seems that... Uh, there's a chance they could owe that. They've already asked schools to repay uh, some a couple million from these from this last TV deal. Right. Um, on top of that, let's let's combine all of our, our topics here. On top of that, Colorado has been talking to the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. Well, Colorado used to talk to the Big Twelve all the time. They were in that conference. They then left for the Pac-12. And now They're talking to their ex, this yeah, is awful. Yeah, and and potentially getting back together <laughs> oh, with an ex. This is this is uh, as oof. there is real interest drama lines from the Big Twelve and from Colorado as Colorado continues to get uneasy as really all the schools are about what's going on with the Pac-12 and their TV deal, and they interview, interviewed the uh, the Big Twelve commissioner earlier today and he didn't deny that they've been discussing oh. things with other schools so uh what do you make of this continued debacle for the pac-12 i mean i think it's just something it's one thing after the other right like ever since <sighs> usc and ucla have decided to to join the big 10 it feels like the pac-12 is just continually collapsing and yeah. we you and i talked about it uh ryan uh, during a, a break a couple of minutes ago how hard do you think Oregon's trying to get out of there? Because right now it seems like Oregon is the only the Powerful. only school yeah. in that conference as far as football goes that could consistently compete for championships. I know Washington has their years, and Colorado seems really sexy right now with Deion Sanders, but Oregon kind of seems like the only school over there that uh, can consistency, yeah, yeah like a real program can, can actually yeah. compete with any type of consistency. So. How hard do you think Oregon's trying to leave? And if Oregon ends up leaving that conference, I don't know what they have left. I don't know where their money comes from. I, I just they're I don't know. The Pac-12 seems like it's it's one more thing away yeah. from a disaster. And like you said, Colorado flirting and getting back with the Big Ten just seems you know it, it seems like it's gone from bad to bad to worse uh, with uh, with the Pac-12 lately. Yeah, I I uh, I'm starting to believe that we are watching the beginnings of the demise of the Pac-12. Honestly, um, you know, as much as I hate to say it, really, I mean, I, I mean, we can say that it really started with USC and UCLA. Um, I think that was the the start, really, and and that that. Um, that first domino and now it just seems uh, it's, it's just starting to continue to 
pile on as as these um, as these schools are really thinking about leaving and, and moving to these different uh, conferences. So, yeah, it's not looking good for the Pac-12. Um, you know, getting sued by by bowls and, and and things of that sort. Not not a good look. Not a good situation. Um, and and it, I mean, it's unfortunate, but it, it doesn't seem like the Pac-12 has been able to, you know, outside of Oregon, like you said, uh, Brant has been really competing. And, and you know, USC, um, but they're about to be a, a, a Big Ten school. So it's not it's not going to really matter much at this point. That's pretty I mean, that's all but a done deal. Um, and so, yeah, it's just not looking good. I, I really think that, um, you know, the Pac-12, you know, could could not exist um, in, in the next couple years or so. We're, we'll be talking about a dead conference. Uh, there's also reporting via The Athletic um, that, and again, on the heels of, of Brett Yormack talking about potential expansion, that The Athletic has reported that Big 12 has had schools under consideration on top of Colorado, Gonzaga, which would be a basketball-only deal, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, oh my God, and UConn, which UConn would I feel be a basketball decision, right. although UConn's been the married Big to the Big yeah. East, so I, I really yeah, I don't see that. I, I, I don't think that's gonna happen. No, I, I I wouldn't think so, but um, certainly the Arizonas, Utah, that's Colorado, bad. Like That's again, I, and this is the difference. This is why leadership matters, because when the Big Twelve lost Oklahoma and Texas, that seems like a left hook. Right. That seems like you're are going to fall to the mat and you might be done. And they got up and they immediately went and grabbed the best schools yeah. in the group of five. The some of the best of the rest. Right. UCF, who it's, cares it's, enough yep. to put something on their stadium claiming a national title that they did not win. <laughs> Cincinnati, Cincinnati yep. who's the first group of five school to go to a playoff. BYU, who has a real and valuable history in the sport dating Absolutely. back a long time. And Houston, which is right in the middle of one of the most beloved football states in the country that's also been in conferences, big conferences in the past. And good basketball. Uh, and obviously a great basketball program too right now. They were forward they they did not panic. Even though I'm sure I'm sure internally there was some panic. Outwardly they went and got on it. Handled business. But when the Pac twelve lost or is in the process of losing UCLA and USC, we're still waiting for their next move. They've not made it. It's been a while now. Yeah. And they've still done nothing other than bicker over how to do a TV deal and and trying not to bleed other schools. I, I expected Boise State to be a member of the Pac-12 within a year yeah. of that announcement happening. And it still has not happened. They, they should have gotten, I, I called the Big 12 expansion the best of the rest, best of the group and five of right. all that. Right. This should have been the best of the West. Yeah, or the best of the rest of the West because <laughs> bars. The, <laughs> this should have been Boise. This should have been like San Diego State, right. maybe Fresno State yeah. or something like that. Gonzaga for the sports that are not and, football. Yeah, you, right. could, you could have Gonzaga, tried. Like, if absolutely. the Big 12's engaging Gonzaga in basketball conversations, the Pac-12 should have done that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and yeah, and, and Pac-12 is not an awful basketball. I mean, they weren't. It's going to take a hit year. with yeah. UCLA yeah, on, it, it but will. I mean, it's it's. 
you, losing USC in football, UCLA in basketball make those two leagues in basketball and football pretty similar now. Right. Oregon I is agree. important to football uh, and basketball. Arizona is very important. And then you just have some some other teams that are fine at times and in fill in spots and and all that sort of thing. Like there's a couple schools in that conference that bring little to no value, no matter what it is. Like like Washington State brings very little value in either of those sports. Um, and so I don't know. Again, this I don't know if it's been reported on, not to my knowledge. Maybe some speculation here with the lack of a TV deal or a good faith deal at least. Is it impossible that Boise and San Diego State maybe said no? No. <laughs> you, We'd know if they think, said no. There's no way we you, would know. You at think this point that they at they least didn't. said we need more evidence of oh my gosh. of structure that this we're not going to jump in here and others jump out? Right, right. Like that's I, I mean, fair. I, I mean, otherwise it's just vast incompetence from the Pac-12. You have to get those teams. And yes, I'm not stupid. I was not born yesterday. Boise State, San Diego State, and a couple others do not equal USC and UCLA. That's not the point. The point is you have something that people want to be in and you Absolutely. and you should have the power to be able to get schools that are clearly in a lower conference and get the best schools and bring them in and they've not done that. And so now as they continue to show no evidence of strength, their other schools are saying, "Well, where's the money? Right. Where's the growth? How are we yeah. going to get the money? We're not growing." What, what's are you our end showcase game here? us? Yeah. And so instead of, I mean, those other teams are doing the calculations. All right. Well, man, geographically, this made sense. But uh, what, is a, what is a trip out to Texas like? What is that going to cost to go play Oklahoma State? What is that right. going to go cost to play all these Big 12 teams now? And, or maybe if you're a couple of these schools like Oregon, Washington, what is it going to be like to go, to go to Columbus, Ohio? What's that cost like? Right. What's the cost to Ann Arbor, Michigan? Is it worth the several million more we're going to get in revenue per year? The answer to that's probably yes. Now, look, there's going to be logistical challenges. I don't know how, as people pointed out, I don't know how trips for like volleyball from Los Angeles, California to yeah. Pennsylvania. It's a, it's a happy, well, not happy value because that's not what you would call, <laughs> to call uh, the volleyball arena. <laughs> but. To the state of Pennsylvania, to Piscataway in New Jersey, how how, how you're going to go do all that? Right. That is a logistical issue for sure. But you know what solves logistical issues? Lots of money. Lots money. and lots of yeah, money. Lots of money. And you think the Big Ten, who actually brought in more because their deal has already started than the SEC did per team this year, you think there's a discrepancy now between the Big Ten <laughs> and Pac-12. You just wait a couple yeah, more right, years. right. When the Pac-12 has maybe even less money per team than they do now, because of the loss of value of the of the Los Angeles schools, I mean, where is this headed? Like the demise if, of the Pac-12 it, is where I'm this is I'm going to give headed. you a weird task. You be the commissioner of the Pac-12. Give me some PR. Get, I, I, we just <laughs> talked about you. Just, we just talked about what they probably need to do from a team standpoint. But give me that and give me some PR. How can you spin this? How can you save this? I think the first thing you got to do is find a TV deal yeah. with yes. anyone, Absolutely. with literally not, anybody who's who's we, trying, who's going to pay you. And I don't care if they're paying you. Not. I mean, I the SEC is making three billion. The SEC is going to get three billion from ESPN. If some, if the CW is like, we'll give you five hundred million dollars per year. Like, yeah, you do that. You take that deal at this point because it's it's way better than. 
<laughs> the idea of streaming only for yeah, a college stream, football yeah. thing. It, like, it, like you're, you're just not ML- going to get enough revenue. MLS is it. doing it, and it works for the MLS because the MLS is so niche. Its fan base yeah. is small enough to I where agree. like there are enough people willing to pay to watch it. This, I don't think the Pac-12 has that. The Pac-12 is too like college football fans want to watch all of college football, not yeah. just their conference. So you're going to have some fans of these schools. You're not going to have the rest of the college football world. And man, a lot of these schools aren't good enough to have big enough fan bases to to where the, you have enough there to justify paying for the streaming service. So you've got to fi- you've got to find a TV deal with somebody, and then you've got to add. And I know that's not great PR at this moment, but I'm not worried about PR right now. Well, yeah. Your PR is in shambles. Maybe maybe the the better rephrasing of is if if I'm Oregon and I'm nervously mm. quacking oh. and saying <laughs> quack 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 why. Should I stay here? Yeah. USC and UCLA, the other top dogs in this conference left of the Big Ten. We can get in the Big Ten. We're Oregon. We we have a lot of value. We're now your top dog or top duck. Um, (laughs) Top duck. (laughs) Why should I stay? Uh, Because you're going to win the conference every single year. That's true. And if you go undefeated, if you go undefeated and you play another Power 5 team – and you win against them, you have a legitimate chance of getting into the college football playoff. There you go. Fair enough. Well, fair enough. That's, that, that's that's the pitch you have to make if you're the. Pac-12. Yeah, I mean that's really that really might be the only one you can make. Uh, it's, it's, also, it's please, saying, we need TV money right. from somebody. Yeah, we, it's we need, gonna be you. Yeah, we need we need somebody good. You're the, you're the cash cow now. Um, you're you're the you're the marquee program now in our conference. Uh, you know, it would be much appreciated if you were willing to stay. And, um, he, and you can kick that. off at whatever yeah. time. Yeah. You want pick to. the time, make you, we'll do whatever. Give you the choice. We'll give you whatever schedule you want. Just, just stay, please stay. <laughs> so, win, go undefeated in, in conference play. Do whatever you need to do. Could you do the model? And I think the answer to this is no. But we'll talk it out. You know, the ACC is starting to have a little bit of a, a slanted pay structure where you succeed you get a little bit more than those that don't okay would it work in the pac-12 could you convince uh, you could probably convince oregon oh, or in yeah. washington that 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 might help you with them yeah and, but and on utah the probably side, too i it, would say the flip side is if if teams like arizona state are gonna leave or or or, or colorado who are not having success right now if they're already engaged in talks to leave that's not going to work for them because they don't succeed right now. Obviously, Colorado is trying, and I think you know we had the discussion with levels of trying with SEC and Big Ten earlier. You know, I think that in the Pac-12, there's not a whole lot of difference of how those programs try. Um, you know, I, maybe Washington State doesn't give too much of a damn, but there's like no one that just does not care at all. all right. But there's also only a couple that are actually capable of delivering constant result so what i'm saying is you're already got less money to work from so it's different than like georgia tech or syracuse or someone just kind of sitting there and taking it because there's a little more there to begin with whereas these other teams who are already sort of nervous are then going to be saying well we all, I mean, we try to not be six and six, but we are. Right. <laughs> you know, Arizona, Arizona basketball is good, but Arizona football is not good Ooh. right now. Ooh. So it's like we really can't. I mean, we're not gonna finish well for a few years here. Arizona now we're State gonna make a couple million less. Yeah, Arizona State basketball is eh. Arizona State football 
Mm. You know, I mean, all of that. Again, all of that. Now, Brant, your argument's great, I think. I mean, or I that's, that's at least so- the I best think, one. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think that's the best one. Because the playoff will mandate that six conferences get a team, period. Right. So that conference could be viewed poorly, but as long as it's still above the Mountain West, of which it would be, then you would not worry too much because SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, ACC, uh, you know, and then ACC, Pac-12 are in that five and six. And then, you know, if you had a random stars align from from the Sun Belt or from, from the Mountain West, but you as a whole, you would say the Pac-12 and AAC would then be very similar, but you would still say there would not be another conference yet to dethrone it. Now, time will tell on that because maybe there's comers and goers, and maybe right. uh, maybe the Sun Belt uh, ends up with, uh, with, with momentum of all these programs because I think, you know, Five years, ten years ago, Sun Belt was not particularly no, close to Conference USA. Now it really it would have been yeah. there with the MAC. Now I think Sun Belt's clearly better in Conference USA. Right. It's actually coming for the new AAC now that UCF and and Houston and Cincinnati are all out of it. Agreed. So I guess all that to say, it would stand a reason that it would be really hard for the Pac-12 to not only fall below one of these current group of fives, but two of them. So they should always have a team in. But that would still be it. And then you have the deal with there's not much money for uh, the for uh, either streamrolling package or a CW package. But you're right. They've got to sign something. Um, the SEC got $3 billion a year. I forget what the, what the Big Ten got. It's, it's billion, though, with a B. You know, it's clearly not going to be as much. But you got to sign something. I would love to hear... Last thing, and I know we're kind of belaboring the point here a little bit, but last thing I'd love to hear from some of those ADs that are maybe not like Oregon and Washington, just like teams five through the rest in what will become the Pac-12 post-USC and UCLA. What I'd love to hear is would they rather make – rather would they – ooh, excuse me. (laughs) Would they rather sign a deal that gets them a little bit more money but it's streaming – or would they rather sign something that is a little less money, but they stay on a more traditional uh, cable format? Hmm. Maybe it's CW, but I, maybe you still have some role with Fox or something. Yeah, at I, least I think you go. I think you go traditional because that's streaming. You know, I, I just think some people just might not be willing to pay for that. If you if yeah. you are if you are already a part of a package, and just say just throwing out their YouTube TV right. If you're a part of a YouTube TV package and you show up. When you show up on the sports thing, you're there. You're you're a part of it. That you have people have the option to watch you. Um, when you're streaming, you know people have to go find a way to to watch you. I think that I think that makes a difference. And you know the effort level is some people aren't willing to put in that effort level. And it, you know I'll just be scrolling through sometimes. I'll just you know see a random game. I'm like ah oh, I'll watch that. Why not? You know give it a shot. Why just do, do that. pirated streams count for ratings? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, that's that's what I think. I don't know. I think my argument for that is like, you're going to get Pac-12 fans that buy that service. Nobody, nobody who's a fan of an SEC school, exactly. SEC school is going no. to buy that service. 
So I, I don't know if you're... And you want to reach... loves the Pat 12. And you want to like reach... He loves yeah. Pat 12. Or I'm wanna, speaking for him. He wouldn't buy it. He you want to reach everybody I also in love the Pat easiest 12. way possible. I love that we have a football game that starts at 10 p.m. Sure. our time. Yeah, that I makes me so cool. happy that I have a nightcap like that. Facts. Yeah, but I just... I. I, I'm not paying for it. Yeah, I'm or, not paying yeah. any more than I'm already paying. Fall yeah. asleep to the dulcet uh, tones of Petros Papanassis or whatever. That's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this quarterback really is pretty good over here. Yeah, we're going to throw that time. Just kind of like half gargling that's, that's, words. Yeah, that's what I think. I think you need to <laughs> put FS yourself, one. especially when we're, especially when you're struggling, like, like the Pac-12 is right now, you need to put yourself in a situation where you can get the most viewers possible. And I think a traditional where you're putting you, – you might make a little bit less money, but if you go a traditional route where you're putting on these – where you're put on these streaming services, you're put on a more traditional um, uh, television rather than a streaming service just separately, I think you have the opportunity to get that exposure because then – like I said, you'll catch the people that just want to watch college football and they'll be scrolling through and they're like, ah, this game, ah, this game, this game. Ah, but Pac-12 After Dark's on. I'll turn yeah. that on. Cool. You know, even if it is on so-and-so whatever random channel, it's football. It's college football. So I'm putting that – I will. I'll, I would rather take that little bit of a loss in that money to get that exposure more, to get, those, to get the ratings, to get that people watching your conference more consistently – um, I, I would rather take that. And, and look, the, the Pac-12 gets watched by some of us in a casual way. Right. There's absolutely. a lot of casual observers uh, for the Pac-12. Yeah. But you need to be more than casual to pay for a separate service. Hundred percent. Yeah. And, yep. and that's and that's not going to happen at large part, not in this part of the country. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I think they know that deep down. That's why they didn't go ahead and sign that deal. But there's just too many. It's too much of a casual product when you've got teams that are not fighting for for significance. I keep going back to the MLS package thing um, that because they sold their rights to Apple TV Plus, and now you have right. to have an Apple TV Plus subscription right. and buy MLS season pass to watch oh any MLS game. Jeez, that's so much. Okay. It, it's it's uh, way too much, but. It works for the MLS, right? Because you 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 have fans that want to watch your team, and also they were contracted to Bally Sports, who is quickly quickly right. going underground, right. and they didn't have the money to hold on to them. So they had to go somewhere, and they did this thing that really works for them. Because, like I said, they're a super niche product. Yeah, very, very. Every but you Those have that a, watch MLS really watch it and really yeah, know. They, I, I agree. You, like I watch Atlanta United, but that's because I'm a fan of Atlanta sports. I didn't pay for Apple TV Plus. I don't, and I certainly don't pay for MLS season pass. I watch the games that I can, and I, and I pay attention in other ways to the games that I can't watch. Pirated. College, college football. Hey, <laughs> college. Yes, college football fans want to watch college football. But they are not going to pay more for it. Uh, they're not go. It's not niche for the enough lesser to lesser part of it. Yeah, yeah. it's not there. It's not niche enough to warrant no. a a streaming service like that. It's not. We're gonna go to our first timeout here of hour number two. We're gonna say goodbye to Cam for the day. Bye, guys. Cam, appreciate you being on. Absolutely, I have a good time covering the regional tonight. Oh yeah, War Eagle. When we come back, we'll have Sports Call's Player of the Week. Also, we'll go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger ninety five point nine.
Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Daughtry with you here the rest of the way on this Friday edition of the show. Again, coming up in, in just a few minutes, we'll probably actually we'll move that till uh, 5 o'clock hour. We're going to replay the interview of Joe Healy from D1 Baseball uh, as he had some uh, – or, or he, is the, he is covering the Auburn Regional for D1 Baseball this weekend – so we interviewed him about the Auburn Regional. Of course, big surprise in game number one, Sanford defeating Southern Mississippi 4-2. to uh, Again, don't be thrown off. He said Troy at first, realized that uh, it was Sanford. Uh, but he uh, was talking about the Bulldogs as a team that was being a little undervalued and uh, so far very correct there in, in that assessment as they were able to beat Southern Miss 4-2. to Before we go back to our Auburn Bank phone line, Let's reveals uh, let's reveal excuse me this week's player of the week. IndyCar driver Joseph Newgarden is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The Nashville native made history in the Indianapolis 500 Sunday, winning the race for the first time in his career. For the first time in history, three red flags occurred, with the last coming with just one lap to go. Officials decided that the race would be decided by a one-lap sprint, in which Newgarden outdueled Marcus Erickson to win the coveted race. Joseph Newgarden is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Joseph Newgarden, our player of the week for this week, more of a driver of the week, I suppose, and uh, a marquee weekend for motorsports, although Coke 600 was not able to be run until Monday while we were on the show. Uh, but Indy 500, we talked a little bit about it earlier this week, third most passes for the lead ever, third most lead changes. Um, Newgarden able to win a couple of, uh, or at least one horrific uh, crash in that one. Brant, they go 220 miles per hour. Is yeah. that something that you dream of doing? Uh, I actually have gone close to that. I, I had an opportunity once to do a ride-along in a stock car um, in Atlanta, I believe at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. Okay, and, the and Rich so, Petty driving experience. Yes, yeah, I, I had, a, had a friend, or my family had a friend who participates in that, and he took us along one time, and I got to go on the ride-along there. And I, we didn't, I don't think we got to 220. We got to... 180, I think, yeah. somewhere around there. But I, I rode with a professional driver, so I went pretty fast. Gotcha. Yeah, you can uh, – at Atlanta, cup cars can go about 180, 185. Um, I, I've never been to Rich Petty Driving Experience. I know if you're driving the car, they're not going to let you go that fast unless you right. know they have a, good, but They have a professional in the seat next to you, and if yeah. they feel the need to throttle you down, they will. Yeah. So one, 170, 180 there, was that fun? I, it was fun once I got used to it. Like the the force of it yeah. is is shocking at first. You I mean you you hear that you hear about the G force and how you get slammed back into your seat, and that's real. It's it's very real. And again, this was probably my sophomore year in high school, so I don't sure. remember all the details of it. But uh, it was it was a lot of fun, and certainly certainly is different to go that fast. And you know that you look at these racetracks and how big they are, and you go, man. He got from this end to this end really fast. And then when you're a part of that, you go, 
So, so this is what it does to the human body going yeah. this quickly. It, it's an experience, and you, you know, like you said, you get sucked back into it, and it's something else. So, uh, Joseph New Newgarden, our player of the week for this past week for winning the Indy 500, his first Indy 500. He'd been at it for a while, so one of the veterans of the sport. So, good to see him finally win the biggest race. What kind of milk would you drink if you won? Oh, milk! I. You whole milk, zero percent, or fat free, one percent. I so I don't drink regular milk. I drink chocolate milk, and when I do drink chocolate milk, it's always two percent or whole. Okay. I like I like the thicker milk because okay. otherwise it just tastes like flavored water, and I don't like that taste in I, just water. I wonder if uh, if they let you do chocolate. I don't think they let you do chocolate. Now, when you're wrong. when you're at that moment and you have that experience and you've just won several millions of dollars, I imagine, yeah. and yes. basically just won the biggest. I like thing all in your sport. milk. Yeah. yeah, you're just like, I, you give it to me. Give it to me. Whatever. I don't care. They definitely let you select, like, what percent of milk you yeah. want. I just I think it's got to be regular milk. I think milk. That it started with buttermilk, didn't it? That was the first one? I don't know that. That would be kind of horrifying, though. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I'll i tell myself I'm fat-free. I like, I like mm. flavored water. Mm-hmm. Uh, milky water, I guess. Um, <laughs> so I can do one percent, and I can do two percent whole milk. I'd rather not. I don't because I mean, like uh, this race was run last weekend, so it's probably a hundred and fifty degrees out on that track. Yeah. Uh, after the race, so like heavy milk would probably be a nightmare. But <laughs> like I said, at that point, you probably don't care Again, that much. Do anything once there. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We go back to the Auburn Bank phone line next up. Ward Dam Steve, retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Hey, how can you not be doing good if it's a Friday, right? It's a fun Friday. It's fun Friday, and I had fun listening to the podcast last night of your uh, cola uh, competition challenge uh, taste test. Uh, that was entertaining. Good deal. And uh, I didn't think that Tom had done as badly as he ended up doing. He was uh, at last place. I said because he was feeding him off at first. Yeah, well, and he and he was about to have the right answer a couple of times, and then he talked himself out of it, like with the root beer. So he was right. he was close to being really good, but but he ended up uh, a couple wrong answers there. And when you said the Coke tasted flat, or, or the other uh, uh, the other uh, staff there uh, said it's. I was wondering, well, maybe you weren't using a bottled uh, drink, but then you said you were using a bottled drink, right? Yeah, and I, again, I had it uh, between breaks. I confirmed it was completely normal. It was just something that went on between uh, the Pepsi Zero and Coke. And what's weird is I would have thought that something uh, more, you know, uh, more traditional would have offset the Pepsi Zero because everyone was like, "I, I think the Pepsi Zero is so bad that just stayed in the palate. But I would have thought that you would have just been able to recognize, oh, this is so much better. So I don't know. It was fascinating. But but we looked at it. Again, the bottle expired and it's going to expire in August. So it was not that. I tasted it. It was normal. Uh, it was just weird. Yeah, I was struck by that because my experience has been that the, the, the drinks that typically go flat uh, the quickest are those in the two-liter plastic containers. Sure, yeah, they, and they, I bought those really bottles that day, so I'm getting yeah. again. It, but the, the strongest uh, carbonation is in the bottle, and then maybe the can. Yeah, I don't know. And then the soda fountains, they tend to be syrupy if they uh, lose their carbonation. Sure. So, anyway, but it was entertaining, uh, and uh, I'm glad you did. And I hope uh, you do some other uh, flavor tests uh, again. Uh, that was really good. Maybe 
Uh, you might more consider the, uh, I guess, uh, the more citrusy kind of like Sprite. Uh, I don't know if you still have Fresca, Seven uh, Up. Yeah, I've thought about those. The issue is, is that those those non dark drinks they actually can still look different though. Like Mountain Dew definitely looks different than than Sprite and and some of those others. So we we would not be able to find as many that look the same. I think what made it so fun is they had to either smell it or taste it. They couldn't just look at it. Yeah, and then there was RC Cola. I think it was Tom that picked RC Cola, didn't he? No, it was. Uh, no. I think it was Brooks. Who was, I think was I think it, it Brooks? was Brooks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, your Brooks was the winner. Is, is that you, Brent? Yes, sir, it is. Okay, good to have you on board. And uh, there was another uh, uh, championship, well, uh, game last night, the uh, Spelling Bee. I don't know if you guys watched it, uh, but the little 14-year-old guy uh, from uh, uh, Florida won it. And the uh, he was so quick to, to spell it, it was remarkable. But I watched that. And I didn't watch the NBA game, but uh, I was wrong. I didn't think that Denver could win by a beat the points, but they did. 104-93. Yeah, and they led by 15 to 20 points for a decent amount of it. Miami always hung in there. They kept battling back. They certainly didn't just completely get overwhelmed, and they, they kept battling. But uh, Denver's really, really good. I mean, their offense is tremendous, and, and then Miami was missing some open threes last night. And you were right on with uh, the under on the total, because the total is 218 and a half, 219. It went, it went way under. Yeah, it did go way under. I actually, I mean, I, I didn't really pick a side there. I thought either way would work. I thought the higher scoring it went, the more it would favor Denver. The lower scoring uh, would favor Miami. But Miami was just kind of solo scoring that uh, they, they were just not able to hang in there. And Denver, despite you know not putting up an overwhelming amount of points, they still felt like they could operate however they wanted to. They got a little three-happy at the end and took some tough shots, but but then Jokic down the stretch just kind of took over down low. He didn't, ha- he didn't score much early in the game, but when they needed some points late, he got it going. And uh, let's go to baseball real quickly, guys. Get, give me your take on, uh, I think it was a bit of an upset. Uh, do you not? Uh, with Sanford beating uh, Southern Miss? Oh, yeah, without question an upset. I mean, again, Southern Miss was valued as a top 25 team. Uh, again, several people picking them to win this regional. Sanford, a team that could have just as easily been a four seed as a three seed. And so definitely towards the bottom half of teams in the NCAA tournament. But, uh, again, that that's why, why we caution people about baseball. Now, ultimately, obviously, Southern Miss not eliminated, but their road got a lot tougher. And for Auburn, uh, really expect them to, at the minimum, be in the regional final now. They they have a very, very doable path to just to get to Sunday night. Well, about the Sanford uh, win, uh, do you know, was it based on any errors, or was it on pitching or hitting? No, it was a very low-scoring game. It was 1-1 one one going to the 10th, and then Sanford broke it open. They, they hit a home run in the top of the 10th, had an RBI double, and then kind of a, just a small ball in the fourth run. And then Southern Miss did load the bases in the bottom half of the of the tenth, and, and they got one, but they just uh, they couldn't keep it going. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, real quick, because I want to run this by because I, I don't want to do anything that uh, I that would you know look you know Steve you shouldn't do that, and not, <laughs> I've been doing it. So uh, give me your uh, best take on this, guys. You know, some time time I'll share with you uh, stuff from Auburn two forty seven. Like Jason Caldwell's comments, Philip Marshall, or some inside information. Uh, but should I not be doing that? Would they? They say would they frown on me doing that? Because it's a paid subscription I get. 
Yeah, as long as you always reference where it came from, um, you know, I mean, that's still free reign. I mean, you certainly can't, like, repost that out in different forums that don't belong to them or try and, you know, write an article and pass that off as part of your own. But No, uh, but if I share with you, you know, on, on public you know, on your show information that, you know, I get to a piece of scripture, is that permissible? Yes. Again, just um, make sure you credit where it's from, which you always do. Okay, good. All right. You know, I didn't want them to say, hey, what are you doing, Steve? Okay. Uh, so there are some tidbits real quickly, or nuggets, I guess, from uh, Jason Caldwell's uh, Auburn uh, Friday mailbag. And one of them has to do with the uh, 8C SEC schedule. So next year, guys, the 8 SEC schedule apparently is going to be in effect. Uh, and then I saw where, I guess it was uh, Commissioner Stanky said that the secondary rivalries will remain. So we'll. Still have Georgia on our schedule then? It certainly seems that way. He he seemed to indicate that they were going to protect as many rivalries as they could, and then uh, so that certainly seems like everyone's going to get their second rival at least for next year. Again, if they go to a permanent nine game model, then everyone should be getting them anyway. But uh, with the eight games, since it's only one year guaranteed of it, they don't have to. You know, we'd all play everybody within a two-year span. So if it ended up being eight, they would just flip them for twenty-five. Uh, so, but so, but assuming this is just going to happen for one year, you can put kind of whoever you want on there in that first year. So next year, will we be divisionless, or we will still have the East and West divisions? Yeah, no divisions. This twenty twenty-three, no. this upcoming year is the last year divisions. Period. Wow. Okay, eight or nine, doesn't matter anymore. Correct. All right, well, Jason's take on all this. He says, he quote, I just can't see the eight-game schedule being the one they decide on permanently. And he goes to several reasons. Uh, one being, he said, you give, you give up a ton of huge rivalry games. Well, of course, Auburn, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, uh, Alabama, LSU, um, and Florida, Tennessee. Uh, you guys agree with his take on that? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think clearly leadership in the SEC wants nine. Uh, it is just the schools. I think only six schools ultimately voted for the nine. And, um, again, everyone's wanting to see kind of how it plays out with the playoff and, and then, of course, financially. But I, I definitely think the league office wants it to go up to nine. So that's still going to be the way they push. Now, if 2024 goes a certain way and – they're they're happy with the playoff access, or or they continue to evolve their stance on it, come up with new reasons. Maybe there's still no new money there, and that's one thing. But the but the the clear goal is still to get to nine games eventually. And you mentioned the uh, uh, about the eight nine uh, uh, schedule. Uh, do you see us? Uh, I guess uh, permanently then the go time. Uh, season schedule after Oklahoma and Texas uh, here, and then there'll be no more divisions. Uh, will strength of schedule be more important or less important when it comes uh, to getting to the national championship then? I definitely think it'll become more important. Up until now, it's kind of obvious to judge the top three or four teams. There's not a lot of resumes that look the same when you're that high up, but the further down you go, uh, the, the more the more stuff there is to look at and, and the closer it is because records get to be the same and and uh, there's a lot of determining factors that end up getting a little closer. So eye tests will always matter to some degree, but also they'll have to start to have 
uh, more of an emphasis on some things they've not had to in the past, including strength of schedule. Okay. Uh, another nugget. Uh, he says that he's been hearing that uh, certain teams uh, will be honored uh, this season. Uh, there, there being the 83 team, the 93 team, and the 2013 teams. So I'm looking forward. He says he doesn't know which games, uh, but I'm looking forward to those teams uh, being honored. Absolutely. I don't know if you heard that or not. I had not. Okay. Uh, and he thinks we have a very legitimate and credible chance of flipping at least one five-star player that Alabama has a commitment from, uh, and he thinks that might be um, Barry Thompson. So I know if you guys uh, had read that or heard anything about uh, of actually being uh, legitimately uh, able to flip at least one of these uh, Alabama commits. I would be surprised if they did not end up flipping somebody uh, significant at some point. Now, I don't know. I'm not – I'm not familiar with which particular one would be the best chance or not, but as hard as Auburn, Perry Thompson, sure. But as hard as Auburn is recruiting kids that even have still been committed to other schools, uh, it it seems like they will flip somebody at some point. But again, I I have to be a little vague there because I I, again I, I can't I don't have a strong opinion which one it would be, but it just feels like that's their clear goal to get someone pretty big that's already committed somewhere else, right. And maybe they'll start having, uh, you know, other five-star players considered as well. So, guys, uh, Brent and Ron, I want those question basketball question out here. Sure. The incoming freshman, of course, uh, Aiden Holloway, and then we have um, the three transfers: Denver Jones, Cheney Johnson, and Chad Baker Mazzara. Is that right? Yes. Of those people, which one or ones do you think will make the biggest impact? I definitely think Denver Jones would be the place to start because he uh, is a 20-point scorer in college. Uh, He's going to need to score for Auburn. He's a good shooter. should be able to score just about anywhere on the court. Holloway will be there too, though. I mean, obviously he's not a transfer, but as a newcomer goes, Holloway's going to be very important because it's him or Trey Donaldson at point guard, and point guard's an important position. We all know that. there's been some great little point guard runs that Auburn's had amongst their best teams, and uh, they will need either Donaldson or Holloway to be good immediately. So Holloway would be very important, but I think the most reliable coming into the season would be Denver Jones. Okay. Well, uh, Brett, do you have any other uh, person you put in there, or you agree with uh, Ryan? I, I pretty much agree with Ryan. I think Denver Jones is a proven commodity at the college level. While everybody has high hopes for Aiden Holloway, we haven't seen him uh, at the college level yet. Now we all expect him to work out, but there's always the possibility that he doesn't. Uh, but then you know Trey Donaldson is a big name. I Chad Baker Mazzara is a guy that I expect to score somewhere between 10 and 15 points a game. Not a huge difference maker. Certainly not a guy that Auburn. Certainly not Auburn's first option. Uh, of the three transfer guys, but still a guy that I expect to have some kind of impact and probably will start for Auburn this year. Well, Brent, congratulations, because that's exactly the name that Jason Caldwell said. Of all the people that I mentioned, he believes that Chad Baker-Mazar might be the biggest impact. He says, I, I just like him and his story. Uh, he says uh, he'll get a shot to play much more. He thinks he could be a 13-7 type of guy for the team. Tell me what that means, because I'm really ignorant with that. What is 13-7 type of guy? 13 points, 7 rebounds. That's, oh, okay. that's about what he'll average, which is pretty good numbers, especially for a college player. And he thinks, that, like you guys said, that uh, the combination of 
Holloway and Trey Donaldson will be something that. Uh, Steve, you there? Looks like we've uh, we've lost. Hey guys, oh, uh, are you gentlemen going to, to the game of uh, tonight? Uh, not tonight. Not tonight. Tomorrow. I I don't know about the whole weekend, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know yet. Okay, now, they are sellouts, right? They are. Okay, well, that's good to know. All right, guys, thanks for your time as always. I do appreciate it more than uh, uh, I guess uh, I can really tell you words, but uh, you are appreciated. And I uh, hope you guys have a relaxing and enjoyable uh, weekend and afternoon. So uh, we'll talk with you uh, Monday. Maybe we'll be talking about uh, Auburn uh, being a Super Regional. Is that possible? That is the hope. All right. With that said, guys, War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate that phone call. Have a great weekend, sir. That is Retire War Dam Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We are out of time for our number two. Stay tuned in our number three. We'll have a what to watch for over the weekend. We'll also, again, replay our conversation from yesterday with Joe Healy of D1 Baseball previewing the Auburn Regional. Stay tuned. More sports call after this timeout. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now here on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Daughtry with you here this afternoon. If you've missed any of the show so far, you can check it out on the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. and join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola taste the feeling let's go back to our auburn bank phone line to start our number three and next up jeff from columbus jeff is with us jeff how are you doing doing great guys good afternoon Uh, good afternoon thank you with them with them doing away with the visions next year and i uh just heard your uh your uh announcement that they're going to try to keep uh traditions alive so i guess georgia will keep uh who auburn and florida very likely yes okay and right so right now okay auburn and florida are probably you know eight win teams at the most maybe okay so with no divisions i guess it's quite possible i mean Oh, they're gonna, but they're gonna decide the schedule in two weeks, right? Yes. Yep. Not after the, the end of the season. Okay. Yep. okay. So, 
it might be possible that they just say, okay, well, Auburn and Florida are mediocre. We're going to have to give Georgia, uh, what, Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M. I mean, we're not going to keep – there's no guarantee that we keep Tennessee, right? Yeah, no, I, there's there's really not much guidance other than they were going to try and honor rivalries and keep a uh, a balanced difficulty, which, you know, is subjective, obviously. Okay, and, you know, okay, rah-rah, go Georgia. We're the best team, right? Okay, let's say that. Surely they're not going to give us Bandy, Kentucky, uh, South Carolina. You know, uh, you know, that's the big complaint this year. So it, it's quite possible that it, 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 it might be a good season fault next year if they're trying to keep, you know, you'll have uh, LSU. Well, I don't know. I still don't believe LSU is that good. Do you all think LSU is that good? I, I think that they have something that not many SEC teams have to start the year, a proven quarterback. Um, that is a, usually a good place to start, and given that – Brian Kelly came over, got them into the SEC title game in year one when he'd already proven to do a good job at Notre Dame. I think that those two things are leading the charge there. Do I do I promise you they're going to go beat Alabama this year? No. I, I Going to Tuscaloosa is going to be very tough. But uh, that LSU-Florida State game is going to be a big one to start the year, and I think it could go a different way for LSU this year. Right, and – and, you know, I, I don't know if I'm so sold on Florida State either, you know. Fair. But, uh, but that's why we play the games, right? Everything Absolutely. Happens. But I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited I, uh, uh, about this. I don't know, you know, like you say, without divisions, it, uh, it's just a turkey shoot. I mean, anybody can put it in there. I wonder who's going to make this decision. I mean, just the, the... scheduling um, Greg Sankey, league office, etc. I mean, I don't know particularly which person, but I mean, it's definitely a a, a general league decision. Well, that's what I was going to say. Do we have a uh, uh, a like like a bowl committee? Do we have a schedule <laughs> committee? <laughs> you know, so uh, I was just wondering if where are they getting. You know, do we have Condoleezza Rice or who do we need to send our? our Need to send our request to is what I was getting at, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so you got to get them in quick though, because so, it is just in about twelve days. Yeah, and and so I guess they're going to base this parody on, or or this scheduling on, and for fairness, on last last year's results would be the only thing they have to go by, or what? They're surely they're not going to open up a Athlon and say, okay, this is what you know, what they think. You know everybody's going to be ranked, but so I, I I don't know. I guess it'll like you say it's going to be good to watch. It'll give you something to do in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So, um, but I, I'm hoping that it 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 does end up that way. I like uh, who was it that said earlier? I mean, I'm sure all y'all did, uh, but uh, Cam probably you want to yes, you want to play the best. You know what? I'm, you know, shoot! I'm telling you, just get rid of all the other games and play. Hey, we got this many teams now. We just need to play an SEC schedule. <laughs> but like you say, everybody's going to get beat up, <laughs> and then nobody gets to play for a championship and stuff. But I am excited about it. But I, I do, I am with you all. I think it should go to nine games at least, with uh, two more teams joining the conference for sure. So. 
All right. I just wanted to get my two cents in, and uh, uh, you all have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you all later on next week. You too, Jeff. Really appreciate the phone call. Have a great weekend, sir. That is uh, Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line and giving some thoughts about the schedule. Yeah, it is it is a little impressive they're going to turn around and do this in two weeks. I mean, then I don't I, unless I'm – um, misguided. I, I wouldn't have thought they would have entered spring meetings with here's what a one year here's yeah. exactly the eight teams everyone's going to play coming into to Destin. So it's going to be formulated pretty quickly. Yeah, you have to think that they considered this as a possibility and, and had the the beginnings of it at least before they you know laid it out as an option on the table. I you know I the whole the, the the idea that you should only play games in a conference i don't really like that either because i feel like that gets a little bit boring i like i i said it earlier in the first hour i like when auburn plays teams from the pac 12 or the big 12 or, or or the acc or whatever even though i'm sick of playing clemson please stop playing clemson <laughs> uh, but literally any other team from from the power 5 that's not an sec school but i i do think that you could do that for one game a year and and still just have the nine game schedule. And if you want to go to ten games, I feel like that's a way. If you want to expand the playoff from twelve to say I don't know sixteen, I don't want to do more than sixteen or so. But if you wanted to expand the playoff, you could say, hey, here's nine SEC games, one non conference game from another Power Five school, and then you have an expanded playoff. I feel like that's one way you could pull it off. And I, I obviously I don't. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think anybody's seriously proposed that, but you you could pull it off if you did just not want not want to have the paycheck games anymore. Yeah, you know, I think it would get really tough. You would it, under that scenario, you'd have to get the playoff bigger right. because then you just have no frame of reference after a certain period of time other than what happens in the playoff because even there's bickering year in year out of the other bowl games and if they're actually a true testament mm-hmm. to what's going on in some of these conferences because it's not always three versus three or five versus five sometimes it's the sec's seventh versus a conference's fifth or sometimes it could be someone's fourth versus a, a, a fifth or sixth. you know it's not it, it's not necessarily congruent there um so i think you've still got to have the non-conference play even if look some of these teams that just play uh, mainly small conference teams, at least that's proving that they are significantly better, that there's nothing weird going on, because then some of those other big conference teams will play the same type of small conference teams, and maybe they don't beat them by 40 points. Maybe they only beat them by 17 or 10. Maybe, Lord forbid, a couple of them lose, and then you start to get even through that, even though it didn't seem like it was truly competitive all the way, you at least get some reference point with with some other teams outside of conference. If it was just all conference, you know, we would have our preconceived notions, certainly, but then that would become a really big part of it instead of at least there's going to be a handful or two of, you know, even though they're joining lead, at least Alabama and Texas will play. So that's going to be a very big game for the Big 12 this year, determining how kind of their top half structure works because we take these big non-conference games and we kind of use them throughout the year to kind of show, well, if Texas ends up going 10-2, and two, but their loss was to Alabama outside of play, well, that means the other teams obviously were um, not, not going to be to an elite level, but it, it allows for the possibility that, all right, the league maybe is strong because they're all losing close games to a team that, 
you know, was barely lost to Alabama, or maybe they got blown out by Alabama, and then it looks bad to lose to Texas if you're a Big Twelve. You know, I I don't know. There's yeah. there's layers to it. Maybe Alabama's not even the best example because they've been their own thing <laughs> for a while. Maybe just use a generic top five or ten team uh, for the season. But um, I I certainly want a lot of SEC games. I don't find it to be a bad thing. I find it to be in a twelve team playoff. I truly believe you will get a win's worth of credit for the difficult schedule you will mm-hmm. play. You couldn't really get that in four teams because you're talking about champions from a conference versus teams at second, even third would be the debate because sometimes two teams got in from the SEC or, or some other conference, really mainly the SEC. Um, so you would be looking at um, the third and fourth teams down the line and to determine that, is it worth – um, an extra a loss in the loss column to have all these tough games. I think that in the twelve team discussion, that will be uh, that will win out. Um, I, I do think teams with an extra loss from the SEC will get in, but again, the four, that's not really something that could happen in such a small playoff because there's just not enough situations there. But once you have twelve and you're trying to grade like a ten and two Oregon team that. I you know a, a one ranked loss but one unranked loss versus a nine and three SEC team stick whatever team I don't care that had three top twenty five losses but also still had time to have a top, two top twenty five wins throughout the year you know that that I think that resume will win out personally uh, but but that's kind of why they want to see it for a year or two or at least one year in twenty twenty four. Um, and as Jeff alluded to at the end, it's going to be fun for us because we're going to have a full yeah, schedule breakdown. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we're going to play the Joe Healy interview of D1 Baseball from yet just yesterday. He previews the Auburn Regional. That'll kind of set you up nice and easy as 545 will be the airtime over on FM Talk 93.9 for Auburn Baseball. So we'll play that Joe Healy D1 Baseball interview coming up. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 on this Friday afternoon. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Daughtry with you here. Now coming up, we're going to play an interview we had yesterday with Joe Healy of D1 Baseball. Uh, He previewed the Auburn Regional. He's covering the Auburn Regional this weekend for D1 Baseball. 
Uh, Joe had some great things to say about all these teams. Again, don't be thrown off. He'll correct it in a second. He, he said uh, Troy instead of Sanford for a moment, but was talking about Sanford. And then Sanford ends up winning today 4-2 to against Southern Mississippi. So take a listen from yesterday. Again, this is myself and Brooks interviewing Joe Healy of D1 Baseball. Welcome back to Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday afternoon. And we're now pleased to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and welcome on a special guest today. He's Joe Healy of D1Baseball.com, covers the SEC with SEC Extra on D1Baseball.com, does a lot of things with D1 Baseball, and will be uh, covering the Auburn Regional this weekend. Joe, the time is greatly appreciated. Uh, thank you for doing this today. How are things in your world? Uh, doing well. I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. We're, we're really astounded by this team's resurrection mid-SEC uh, mid schedule. we, we got to start with that. Uh, midway through SEC play, Joe, as you are very aware, this team was just fighting to get in the field. It was starting to come up with scenarios to, to feel good about making the NCAA tournament. All of a sudden, a complete 180, and now this team ends up hosting a regional. How did that happen, and just how drastic of a change uh, is that in the, in the world of college baseball? Yeah, I mean, it was it's really been kind of a night and day thing. I mean, it's amazing going from five to 10 to having the best record in the SEC over the second half of SEC play at 12 and three, a really uh, impressive turnaround. I think two things happened. One is, you know, the lineup got healthier. They, they had a cohesive lineup over the second half of SEC play. Whereas in the first half, you, you know, you missed Bobby Pierce for a little bit. You missed Cooper McMurray for a little bit. Cole Foster missed two or three games there at one point. So, you know, you kind of had guys coming in and out. So the second half, they had a little bit more consistency in that regard. And I think the bigger thing is that the pitching, while it's still not perfect and while that's still my primary concern with Auburn, there there is a little bit more there to feel good about. I mean, Tommy Vail has emerged as really a, a, a true Friday guy in the SEC, which I didn't see coming. It's a sixth-year senior who's had two prior stops and was, you know, okay but not great in those stops. And, and he's done a really nice job. And Christian Herberholt, who... It seems like he's back healthy, ready to go for the regional. We'll, we'll see what kind of pitch count he ends up on when he throws. But, you know, he, he's back and ready to go. He led the team in ERA and SEC play. So you, you combine that with, you know, Chase also pitching better and Will Cannon still being consistent and they can rely on him. You know, Connor Copeland has had some, some good outings. So, you know, slowly but surely, and, and Butch and his staffs are kind of famous for this thing, slowly but surely they, they kind of figure it out of the mound as time went on. Joe, you, you kind of answered my, my next question there, but when you look at the field that Auburn is going up against this weekend, Southern Miss, Sanford, and Penn, what do you think is the biggest challenge for the pitching staff? It's going to be Troy if they end up in a, let's say, you know, they, they get Troy in a regional final or they get Troy if Auburn falls into an elimination game and they have Troy on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, for example, to get to the regional final win. When pitching is thin and you've thrown all of your top guys and you're just looking to survive, that, that, a Troy lineup can wear you out. Um, so that, that's kind of a, a dangerous situation if Auburn ends up in, a, in something like that. Southern Miss's lineup is veteran, so they can be a specific challenge, but it's not the most dynamic physical lineup. I, I think Auburn should be able to pitch to that a little bit. Um, but, again, it is a veteran group, so you're, they're, they're not going to beat themselves. They're not going to you know, typically not chase pitches. They're not going to give away at bats. So that can be a tough challenge, too, if you end up in a winner's bracket game with them. But I think the most dangerous lineup that they're going to face um, is, is Troy's, just given the power they have led by, by – uh, I'm sorry, I said Troy. I'm in Sanford. I get those two. <laughs> All good. I'm also, going to be, I'm also going to be in Tuscaloosa this weekend. Can you tell? Uh. Uh, but this, 
the Samford lineup, I, all the same things still apply. Mint Samford, I said Troy. Sure. Um, if you get into a, a, a regional final with them, you get into an elimination game later in the weekend, that's a lineup that can really wear you out. That's how their bread is buttered. Samford, you know, came through the SoCon tournament just by swinging it really, really well. I mean, they're, they're pitching outside of their ace, and Jacob Cravey is um, a little bit suspect. So that's where, really, they're going to try to win games. And so that's a dangerous team if you face them late in the weekend. Yeah, absolutely, Jim. We'll have a couple questions for you again about some of those other uh, SEC regionals, like the Tuscaloosa Regional. But, uh, I mean, sticking, sticking with this here, you know, there's a lot been talked about this Southern Miss team. Their RPI was very similar to Auburn's. They're uh, a pretty veteran team, and uh, this forms a, a interesting challenge. Now, the, the, you know, the four seeds are always going to be, you know, kind of automatic qualifiers, and you, you see what happens there. But uh, Sanford was somebody that was mocked as a, as a four seed. They they win the SoCon, get up to three. So it feels like it's it's a pretty clear cutoff between uh, Auburn and Southern Miss versus the other two. But uh, as you look at this regional, I guess what is Auburn's pathway to success? Can they simply outscore some of these teams, or do they need some of their best work from the gut likes of Tommy Vale and Chase Alsop and, and Christian Herbert Holes? Yeah, I think if they end up in the winner's bracket, they're in good shape. But that's not going to necessarily be the easiest task. This Penn team is, is really good. I, I've written that I think they very well could be the toughest four seed in the field. Now, you're right about that. Like, Samford could have easily, you know, Penn and Samford could have flipped the three and four. And I don't think anyone would have necessarily thought that was too weird. Um, but, look, I mean, Penn's got a starting pitcher that, that Butch Thompson today compared to Joseph Gonzalez when he's at his peak. It's, the, you know, a low 90 sinker looking to get a bunch of ground balls. And, you know, their number two starter is a guy who's grad transferring to Virginia at the end of the year. They've got guys in their lineup who are grad transferring to Texas, Texas A&M, Duke. Uh, they've got a Virginia Tech transfer um, because you can't play as a grad transfer in the Ivy League. So all their fourth-year guys have to go somewhere if they want to continue to play. So, you know, this is a team with power five talent all over the field. Um, they haven't played a team this good since they played South Carolina to open their season, but they played South Carolina tight in that series. So this is going to be a little different than what Penn has had to deal with for a few months. But I think, you know, I know Auburn's not overlooking them, but, you know, even observers should should overlook Penn at their own peril because they're really talented. Going back to the, the, the batting lineup there for the Tigers, you know, you, you've got a really strong group that's hit the ball fairly well this year. There, there's been a couple times where, and especially with that Arkansas series around the start of conference play, the bats kind of got lost for a little bit, but they came roaring back in the second half of the, the, the year. So what is your thoughts on this, this Auburn lineup going into this weekend and how they can be successful not just this weekend but going forward in the tournament? Yeah, I think it's the lineup can be a little bit top heavy at times, right? I mean, because you've got you know you're going with a defensive catcher in, in, in Nate Larue, and then you know at times you've got you know a Caden Green in there that's a little bit lighter offensively. But the top half of the lineup is as good as is just about anybody outside of I don't know if you want to say LSU, of course, but um, you know those that top with with Bryson Ware, who's quietly having one of the best years in the, in the country, and uh, you know Cole Foster, uh, Ike Irish, of course. You know that group is as good as just about anybody, and there's a couple guys who have kind of taken a step forward like Chris Stanfield for example that you know his numbers aren't among the best on the team and in, in, in SEC play he's hitting something like 240 but you know he brings a level of athleticism and speed that's a little bit different for this offense it's not exactly an offense that I mean stolen bases and running are just not going to be this Auburn team's thing but having a guy like that in the lineup that brings that element and can do something a little bit different I think is, is so huge because when the lineup gets a little bit stagnant sometimes what you need is just something a little different let's let's put runners in motion let's hit and run let's 
you know, try to push the issue a little bit. And, and having a guy like that who can do stuff like that can kind of help you stay out of a funk offensively. Talking to Joe Healy today of D1 Baseball on the Thursday edition of Sports Call. And, Joe, what's been so interesting to me, just as, as Butch Thompson's program as a whole at Auburn, very little SEC tournament uh, success, but a whole lot of NCAA tournament success relative to what they've been doing in the SEC tournament. Even as hot as they were in the last month or so of this year, they, they ultimately only win one game in Hoover. But yet, as we saw last year with them not even winning a game in Hoover, they go all the way to the College World Series. What is it about uh, a team like this that I, I get it? You know, the SEC has so many great programs, but this team never really does much in Hoover, yet they play their absolute best the very next week in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I think there's some just, um, oh, I don't know, just coincidental things. But I think a lot of that's just coincidence. Sometimes a team makes a great run in the SEC tournament, and then they play well in the postseason. You can point to that and say, well, they were they were playing well. They were hot. And then a team gets eliminated early, and they play well in the postseason. You can say, well, they needed the rest. So I, I do think there is just a little bit of you can see what you want to see there. I think the other thing that plays into that a little bit is that this is a coaching staff and a program that they want to win games in Hoover. I don't doubt that, but they're not going to win games at all costs. Um, they're going to continue to play their game, meaning they're going to use the pitchers the way they want to use them. They're not going to overextend anyone. They're not going to do anything that's going to jeopardize, you know, not only the team's future, but a pitcher's future. Uh, and that's either going to be good enough or it's not. And let's face it, when you're in the SEC tournament, especially when you have to play on that Tuesday, you know, if you're going to make a run like Texas A&M did to get all the way to the final, you're going to play six games in six days. And ultimately, you know, college baseball teams are not really meant to be able to play six games in six days when you're dealing with, you know, the, the younger pitchers and the inconsistency and, and players who just aren't used to playing that day in and day out style. And I think this staff kind of understands that. And so, again, they want to win, but you know, they're not going to push the pedal to the metal just to get a couple of extra wins. And so, Joe, as we look at a couple other regionals involving SEC teams, and uh, look, eight regional hosts is a, is a remarkable feat for the conference, but I actually want to focus on one that's not a regional host, and that's the Tennessee Vols, because this is the regional matched up with Auburn's. And so uh, t- Clemson, a four seed, or the four national seed, is playing a Tennessee team, which I, I think some believe still had a shot at hosting coming into the SEC tournament. It seems like that is a very difficult two seed for the uh, for the number four overall seed in the tournament. What are the chances that that Tennessee can knock off Clemson potentially if, if everything works out? Auburn's got to handle its business. Potentially setting up an uh, Auburn super regional. What are the chances of that happening? I think fairly good. I mean, I think that Tennessee was one of the two seeds that. You know, no one in the country wanted to see pop up in their regional because you you know what the talent is, and they can just flip a switch and and be a and be a different team. But the flip side of that argument is that we just haven't seen it this year. We kind of just keep waiting on it. And look, they had a good year. I mean, by if if last year hadn't happened um, for Tennessee in the regular season, we'd look at the season that Tennessee had and think, oh, they had a really good year um, because those have been few and far between the last twenty years for Tennessee. But the expectations got so high because of last year and the talent they brought back, and I get that. Um, but, but they just they just haven't totally clicked this, this this season. So there's part of me that also just wonders, you know, maybe it's just not going to happen for this group. And then they go play a Clemson team that's the hottest team in college baseball. They haven't lost a game since the end of April. Uh, they haven't lost a series since the end of March. And uh, there's just really no team playing any better. Um, so I'm not really exactly sure what we're going to see with Tennessee this weekend, but yeah, I mean, if you told me that they 
play their best baseball the season, they go three and zero in that regional, and, and next weekend they're playing Auburn down here at Plainsman Park. Then I I'd say that I believe that just because that's how talented Tennessee is. Joe, when you look around the rest of the field, which regional involving an SEC team, either hosting or they're they're not hosting, are do you think needs to uh, needs to get more people talking about right now? I think I'm kind of fascinated by Kentucky's regional, and not just because of the situation where the, the opposing teams are being housed in dorms uh, because there were no hotel rooms in, in Lexington. Um, because there, there is a thing um, with teams that, and look, we'll see this with the, 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 the non-SEC regional, but Indiana State hosting for the first time ever. And there is kind of a, a curse is too strong a word, but hosting for the first time or for the first time in a long time, and nobody on this Kentucky team was around in 2017 when they hosted, except for, I guess, the head coach, Nick Mangione. Um, the teams that have, are hosting for the first time, like, it's kind of a difficult thing. Like, there's a specific pressure to it. You know, you've got a lot of fans there. You're probably going to draw crowds, especially to a place like Kentucky, bigger than you normally draw. So there's just kind of a, a pressure there. And they got a difficult draw where you've got West Virginia as a two-seed. And, look, that's a team that they went 0-2 in the Big 12 tournament. If they make a run, they're probably hosting themselves this week. Their three-seed is Indiana, who finished one game behind Maryland for the Big Ten regular season title, and, and I think, honestly, could have been could have been a two-seed in a different world. And their four-seed is Wright State, which is annually one of the peskiest four-seeds. Like, that's a team that's going to go into that regional expecting to win games. That's They're not going to lay down in that opening game. So Kentucky getting out of that regional uh, is a really, really tough chore, and, and I think if they do so, it'll just kind of prove what, what they've been trying to show all year, which is that this is just a, a different Kentucky team. Talking to Joe Healy of D1 Baseball today on Sports Call. Joe, how can all of our listeners follow your work throughout the weekend, your coverage, and then all the great things that D1 Baseball will have in store throughout this weekend? Yeah, first and foremost, go to D1Baseball.com. Um, we'll have writers at a whole bunch. Of, I should have counted up how many different regional sites we'll have writers at, but the, it's certainly more than more than half of them. So D1Baseball.com for all of our general coverage. If you're interested in the SEC angle, you can click on the SEC extra link at the top of the page to read mine and Mark Etheridge's work on, on the SEC. And you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Healy D1. Joe, the time has been greatly appreciated today. We hope you enjoy covering the, the Auburn Regional and, and the Tuscaloosa Regional. And uh, hopefully this thing goes well. We'll be talking to you again down the line. I appreciate it. Anytime, fellas. That was Joe Healy of D1 Baseball again joining us yesterday on the show as he previewed this Auburn Regional. A little fortuitous with uh, not taking some of these teams for granted, especially Sanford already with a win over Southern Miss to send them into the loser's bracket. That will be a 2 o'clock game tomorrow for Southern Miss versus the loser of Auburn and Penn, which of course is coming up in just a few minutes. 6 o'clock, first pitch at Plainsman Park. 5.45 airtime on our sister station, FM Talk. 93.9. We're going to go to our final break of the program. When we come back, we'll have a what to watch for over the weekend and also nightly TV guide to end it. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Don't want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. 
Welcome back to Sports Call. Final seven or eight minutes with you here for this Friday and for the week. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry with you here. Again, appreciated Joe Healy for stopping by yesterday and uh, joining the program for a segment there to preview the Auburn Regional. With the Auburn Regional in mind, it's time for... Sports Calls, what to watch for over the weekend. And part of what to watch for over the weekend is the Auburn Regional. One game in the book, Sanford upsetting Southern Miss 4-2. Auburn taking on Penn in just a few minutes. Again, reminder of the schedule for the weekend. Saturday and Sunday, there will be games at 2 o'clock and 8 o'clock. So, winner of tonight's game will play at 8 o'clock tomorrow and they will await the winner of the 2 o'clock game tomorrow, which will be uh, Southern Miss and the loser of this game. If Auburn's able to win tonight, they're able to win tomorrow night at 8, they are on to the regional final, which will be Sunday night at 8 o'clock. And, of course, if whoever the, uh, the, the team without a loss is, whoever it is, if they lose that Sunday night game to the one-loss team, there will be an if-necessary game 7, which, of course, would be necessary at that point, and it's at a time to be determined Monday. Very exciting situation for Auburn again uh, to be hosting a regional for the second consecutive year. Certainly feels like they got good news with a Sanford victory today. And, and uh, again, without having thrown a pitch yet, Auburn maybe even growing more confident in their ability to get through this weekend. Yeah, we're doing what to watch for. I don't want to see Auburn use more than three starters. I, I don't want to see them take it easy on anybody. I don't want to see any slip-ups. Uh, and, and obviously – Nobody does, but I'm saying you've got an opportunity here to go three and out, to just go ahead and get through your regional and move on to your super, and you have time to watch whoever it is. You have time to go look at the Clemson regional, say, hey, do we get a chance to host a super, which obviously you'd love to do. But, yeah, go ahead and just take care of business. Just get through these games. At least get through today's and tomorrow's games as quickly as possible. Try and do that as easily as possible. Uh, I understand that Championship Sunday is going to probably ask a little bit more of you from whoever your third pitcher is going to be. But for, for at least these first two games, and hopefully all three, just go ahead, go out there, go get the win, and and, and get to rest before the Supers. It will be Chase Alsup tonight for Auburn here in just a few minutes. Again, airtime in, in any second now over on FM Talk 93.9 with Andy Bertram and Brad Law. And then Saturday could be Vale, could be Herbert Holtz, could be both. We'll see. Uh, but again, Chase Alsup will get the ball tonight for Auburn. Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. Also what to watch for over the weekend on the Diamond. The Atlanta Braves back in action against the Diamondbacks. Uh, three games out in Arizona. The Diamondbacks come in with an actual better record than the Braves, believe that or not, just by a half game. Can change after this series. But Diamondbacks 34-23. and 23. Uh, surprisingly good to start the year. Braves 33 and 23, trying to get back on track after a tough series in Oakland. Um, we saw Soroka on Monday, so I don't know if he'd have to pitch again until Sunday, I guess, is when they'd line that up again since they had a day off. Um, but, you know, a little bit sluggish here, a uh, month of May overall for the Braves. Started to pick up some more injuries that were or detrimental lineup. Some guys comers, some guys goers. So, so some guys just just starting to struggle again. You know, Azuna got hot, but his last four or five, he's he's struggled again. So he's not in the lineup tonight. Uh, a couple great performances again. Hitting most most of it's in top five for the Braves. Top five in homers and runs scored. I think they're like ninth in batting average. 
But just as of late, having a few struggles, trying to get back on track against a good team this weekend. Yeah, we've talked about the pitching staff, and yeah, the injuries are hurting a lot. Uh, you, you don't, you're missing two starters that you, you would like to have. Obviously, the thing that's super concerning to me, though. There was a lack of offense in that Oakland series. You score, you didn't score nearly enough for what you expect from that kind of a team. And this lineup is built to hammer teams. You're 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 a lineup that you feel on a good night can score ten runs. You know that's not out of the realm of possibility to to do that several times throughout a season for this Braves team. And and the fact that your your bats have gone a little bit cold. Obviously, baseball 162 game season. Neither, neither of us is panicking. Uh, it, it sucks to lose two out of three to the worst team in baseball, but it, it's not time to hit the panic button. It's not time for the, hey, do the Braves need a new manager talk that I've seen some people engage oh, no. in. Um, <laughs> I, you know, n- not panicking, but hopefully this is a slump that doesn't last too long because, look, the, the Marlins, they're still, they're, are they still four and a half back? Is that where the Marlins are right now? Uh, yeah, to be exact, they are three. Uh, well, they're yeah, they're four and a half back, but the Mets have now gotten hot. They're three and a half back. Okay, the Mets so, are yeah. the Mets have overtaken the Marlins. So you're you are you you figure to be the best team in the NL East, but you're and you've held serve since the start of the season, but you're not exactly running away from the pack right now. So I would like to see these bats get a little bit more hot uh, in the games where you're having to to throw guys that you normally wouldn't. You still feel like you have a chance to win when with this lineup, just not the way they've been playing lately. So I want to see the lineup get back on track. One more for you. Sports calls. What to watch for over the weekend. NBA and NHL finals coming up this weekend. Game two for the NBA Sunday night in Denver and Ball Arena, formerly Pepsi Center, but uh, Ball Arena, just all about the ball there. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you got game two of that. Nuggets able to to hold off the heat in game one. Uh, I won't say thoroughly outplay them because I think so it was shooting, but – uh, Denver able to generate whatever they wanted offensively. So they've got game two Sunday night. And then game one of the Stanley Cup Finals coming up Saturday night. Again, another eight seed. Florida Panthers were from the state of Florida, from the Miami area, and uh, taking on the Las Vegas Golden Knights, who were less of a surprise for sure, uh, coming out of the Western Conference. So game one in T-Mobile Arena, I believe, in Las Vegas. All right, time for a nightly TV guide to end the show. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Again, we'll start it off with Auburn baseball. Of course, you can listen on FM Talk 93.9, Auburn Tigers app, or our Tiger Communications app. But the way you can watch it is through ESPN Plus. Again, 6 o'clock first pitch for Auburn and Penn. Other baseball, you got Oklahoma and East Carolina. That one's going to be on ESPN 2 at 6 o'clock. Don't forget about the Women's College World Series in college softball going on this weekend. Losers bracket game between Alabama and Stanford. That one coming up in just a few minutes at 6 o'clock on ESPN. Again, the loser will be eliminated. And then uh, Major League Baseball, as we talked about just a moment ago, Atlanta Braves, Arizona Diamondbacks, 840 is the first pitch time there as the Braves continue this West Coast road trip. Big one with the Mets coming up this coming week. We were able to get tickets away uh, for that earlier this week. But uh, another good team in Arizona uh, for the Braves. Again, 840 Valley Sports Southeast. One movie pick for you tonight. 
Hotel Transylvania, 6 o'clock on Nickelodeon. And that is Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Remember yesterday on the TV Guide, I think, uh, had the first um, animated uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Mm. They've got the second one coming out uh, last night for yeah. Thursday night previews, getting a 9 out of 10 on IMDb, I'm gonna have to go check that one out pretty soon. Uh, I, I really loved the first one, and it kind of took me by surprise. I didn't expect it. I, I didn't expect to same. like it as much as I did, and I really, really enjoyed it. So yep. I, I'm very excited to see this next one. Absolutely, and uh, summer blockbuster season is here. Brant, thank you for being on today and throughout the week. Hope you have a great weekend, sir. We'll see you next week. Thank you for having me. And of course, when we thank Cam Barry, who was on earlier in the show, and as always, we thank those that tuned in and called in. For Cam Barry and Brant Daughtry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the Auburn Regional, and we'll talk to you about it on Monday.